Hello everybody. Before we get to the actual episode, I do have some bad news. As you can probably hear by my voice, I currently have COVID-19. Unfortunately, so does Matthew. So, yeah, we're in a bad state at the moment, and we're not really in much of a state to record a podcast, despite me trying to do this intro and uh, powering my way through it. But the other issue we have is internet outages. The combination of not being able to record remotely because we can't record in person because of COVID means we can't record at all. So we are going to be postponing the show for a couple of weeks, literally two weeks. Nothing else is changing, just a slight shift in the schedule because Matt and I both have COVID and Tim's having internet issues, basically. So very, very sorry for that, but don't worry, nothing will change. We are still continuing with the weekly episodes and the in-season is coming. It's awesome. The season finale is coming before that and that's awesome as well. And we're already planning season 12. We've got big plans for season 12. So stay tuned and I promise we will be back soon with more awesome sequelizers content. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your support. And we will see you in a couple of weeks. Now it's time for us to talk about The Big Lebowski and, unfortunately, The Jesus Rolls. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello everybody and welcome to season 11 of Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers-Ward, and joining me, also as always, it's Mass Dogden. We don't forget what you did, Jack. Helping the Sequelizers rise to the top 5% of podcasts worldwide. That last picture of yours was for the ages. I've never seen anyone lick a keyboard before they write. Keep on Sequelizing, boy. <laughs> I appreciate the effort though, Matthew. I appreciate that. Fuck that film. Speaking of fucking films, it's Tim Maytum. You want a sequel? I can get you a sequel, believe me. There are ways, Matt. You don't want to know about it, believe me. I'll get you a sequel by this afternoon with CGI. (laughs) (laughs) Tim, you had a dearth of options, and that was a very solid choice. (laughs) The reason you had such a dearth of options is because, and we teased on the previous episode, this is a, a sequel to... One of my favourite films of all time. I think the best good film of this season by a country mm. mile. A, f- a film that we have said is the best work of the directors in question who are very good directors, who have made a lot of good yes, films. Yes, absolutely. One of my favourite current directors, <laughs> exactly, yeah. We're talking about the sequel to The Big Lebowski. Yeah, folks, <laughs> that's a thing that happened recently. It's mental. All the way back from 1998, of course, The Big Lebowski. Cult hit, cult classic. Fantastic. One of my all-time favorite movies. Got a sequel like two and a half years ago featuring one of the tertiary characters as the main characters. And we'll get into this because it's a whole production thing. We're talking about the Jesus Rolls. Good Lord. What a fucking shit show this sequel is. Oh my God. I was... How? Why? Uh, Good lord. I was, because uh, obviously we're coming off the back of Grown Ups 2. <laughs> and I, <laughs> and I was like, oh, what, what a garbage pair of films I've just watched. Oh, The Big Lebowski, what a balm to my soul. Mm-hmm. I, I rewatched it, even though I'd seen it fairly recently. I was yep. just like, oh. Any good excuse. Any, any excuse. Same. 
and I rewatched it and I was like, oh, it's still so good. It's, it's so brilliant. Just amazing. And then I watched this film and I was like, this is, I mean, it's not grown ups level. No, no, But no, it's no. like, it's one of the main problems we had with grown ups was like, there's no structure to this film. This is basically an anthology movie. And this is, yeah. this is pretty weird. much the same. Which, and it's so funny. I was saying this before we started recording, before Jack even arrived. It's funny because you could say the same thing about The Big Lebowski. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is such a clear example of here is an idea done well and here is an idea done poorly. Exactly. And it is all about the execution because when you look at these films, if you just kind of wrote down what happens and what is involved, you'd go... Yeah, they're kind of more or less the same. They're like these character-driven, plotless crime comedy. Kind of shaggy dog story kind Mm -hmm, of thing. mm -hmm. Just people getting into misadventures and they don't really kind of... There's not really anything they learn or like... The stakes are high yet nothing at the same time. Yeah. 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 Um, And yet one is one of the best movies of all time and the other is just wet toilet paper. Put it this way, when both... Well, to be fair, all of us, but specifically from my observations when jack and tim talk about the big lebowski just now both of them close their eyes <laughs> they lean like back the dude and go, in the oh, bar mm, and they pitch thing and it's that that wave of euphoria washing through them and yet when both of them mention the jesus rolls their eyes widen slightly in fear and desperation like i, I and you just sort of widen. Like, i can't understand what i've just seen yeah that's how, that's that's the divide is straight up unbearable. But before we get to yes. talking about the Jesus rolls, I want to talk so much about the Big Lebowski, but we will probably won't get much time to do that because we've got to get into synopses, we've got to get into Ron Smartos, and of course, one of us—that's me, hello—is going to pitch a sequel to the Big Lebowski. I do Mate, not. I, this God might be one of the soul. hardest tasks we've we, ever had. We will had. get to that. We will get to that in the second half. Before we get to any of that stuff, there's like a lovely little trip down the bowling alley. Of memory lane, little gutter balls venture. Our little in, in a dream our, our little sequelizers, urban achievers. Exactly. Here are little sequelizers. Set urban those pins up, baby. Exactly. And go to Patreon.com/sequelizers and thank all the little sequelizers, urban achievers mm. who support us on Patreon. Because if you do that, you can get ad-free episodes. You can get early access to episodes. You get bonus content. We did multiple BuzzFeed quizzes. We talked about white Russians. Multiple broken quizzes. Multiple broken quizzes, yeah. It often breaks down into games and quizzes oh, yeah, and, and silly bullshit as well. All the bonus content is the outtakes and movie commentaries, which we still have one to do for this Ooh. season, by the way. You're getting three this season. Mm. And you also get complete extra bonus episodes during the interseason as well. And I know we say this every time, but just in case you're hearing this for the first time, we don't just half-ass those bonus episodes. We do try to think of them as fully true interseason episodes. They're longer and, than most people's podcasts. Well, they, yeah, our outtakes are longer than a lot of other podcasts. That's true. So hopefully, if you want more sequels, you want just a bit more of us chatting about films and stuff, and also bonus content in terms of movie commentaries to stomach your way through some of these fucking awful movies, including Grown Ups 2 and Space Jam 2, A New Legacy, which we've already covered this season. Two god-awful films that I think are only bearable if you have a, a, a funny commentary to go along yeah. with it, I think, because fucking hell, those experiences were torturous. It was my time seeing both of those films for the first time when we did the commentary. 
and I hated every second of it. Mm-hmm. But it was made so much better by having you two in the room as well. So. Uh-huh. And Hopefully we could be in that. your room too, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. Yeah, build that parasocial relationship of watching films with your friends yeah. who are us. Get a, get three inflatable dolls and pictures of our faces, stick them to them, and, and then play at the same time and go, ha ha, are you right, guys? Exactly, yeah. Great. You can easily print out the little, like, images yes, from the, the avatars. things. And, yes. Yeah, the little avatars and stuff. By the way, the artwork for this episode. We don't often shout out John on the episode, but our essentially the fourth sequelizer, Mr. John Scarrett, uh-huh. who does all of our artwork done our logo design done all of our branding and stuff like that he is fucking brilliant you can also go and get an avatar designed by john scarrett if you go to the 30 pounds here or higher by the way if you become an executive producer which i'll get onto in a second but the artwork for this episode fucking terrifying vile horrible gross we, disgusting we did a thing episode where brilliant. it's an amalgam of all our faces this is worse <laughs> this is much worse i john saw like I refuse to watch Jesus rolls, and I know that one scene from Jesus. <laughs> it's also in all the, the marketing, Lebowski. so yeah. What would they look like if they licked bowling balls? I was like, oh god, John, why would you do such a thing? <laughs> it's the fact we're all licking the same ball. Oh, <laughs> that lucky ball. Get that clipped out of context. Exactly. But yes, like I said, if you would like to get an avatar of your face done by the one and only John Scarrett. If you'd like to get a shout out on the show, if you'd, if you'd like a lick of the sequelizer oh, ball, if you'd like to join <laughs> us in licking a bowling ball, <laughs> you can become an executive producer like these fine folks have done. What are you doing? Eagle. Philip Morgan. You see what happens? You see what happens? Marcus Lindstrom. You see what happens? This is what happens. David Selinger. You see what happens? James McDowell. You see what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps? This is what happens. You see what happens? Canis Rufus. You see what happens? Stuart Maine. This is what happens when you feed him scrambled eggs. What happens? Josh van der Sluis. This is what happens when you fool a stranger. What the hell are you doing, man? Stop oh, it. Hey, hey, man. I just bought this guy last week. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, hey, I'm gonna I'm kill sorry, you. Man. I just bought this guy last week. Come on. Hyper, the dude, man. I'll kill you, Carl. No, hey, yeah. hey, that's not his head. No, no, man. That is no. Oh, no, man. No. Thank you, executive producers. You make this show possible. Hope you enjoy all the bonus content we've been putting out recently. But if you go to the highest of the tiers, you can become a VIP. You actually get to pick a film for us to fix during the season. And if you stick around for the interseason, you get to pick an interseason episode as well. And by the way, folks, we'll be opening up some more slots for the VIPs. Coming up real soon. Very, very soon indeed. When this goes out in early November, perhaps the slots will be opening as we speak. Look behind you. Look behind you. There's an AP, There's a VIP slot right there. behind you. <laughs> look in front of you. Look up. Look down. Slots. <laughs> but currently, the VIPs for this week are... Wait, wait let, me, let me explain something to you. Um, I am not Mr. Lebowski. You're Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. So that's what you call me, you know? Uh, that or... Uh... Josh Miles. Or, uh... Xenos. Or, uh, you know... Jonathan Firth-Clark. You're not into the whole brevity thing. 
thank you executive producers and vips like i said you make this show possible you make the big big plans and expansion plans we've got coming up all that possible as well we've got new equipment we've got plans for live streams we might be doing some extra episodes and stuff and more bonus stuff and 2023 baby 2023 is gonna be a big year for sequelizers just putting out there right now and uh yeah more vip slots more episodes who knows maybe we're not going more than weekly that'd be mental but oh jesus oh not, my god we're not we're doing an unequal sequel per week we're, not, we're only human yeah we're not doing <laughs> barely human but <laughs> yeah we're not doing multiple episodes a week that would no, be insane no. we're not the unequal sequel lads that do two it's insane. crazy it's bonus crazy. episode on a friday just melts my the brain. outtakes episode is enough of a new episode exactly yeah. exactly yeah so yes thank you everyone on patreon for supporting us your support makes this show possible and yeah we couldn't appreciate you more shall we dive into the big lebowski and to kind of preface this a little bit the synopses are dense for a for essentially two plotless movies yes the reason they're lot, kind of plotless a lot, a lot of stuff happens none of it matters essentially no consequences <laughs> exactly yeah so Real, real quick, we'll kind of whip around and talk about our history with these movies, I guess. And then we'll dive into the synopses Mm. and, yeah, prepare for meaty synopses Mm. we will get stuck into. And and I would imagine that very few people have seen the Jesus rolls. According to the box office, Tim, correct. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I'll kind of start. The Big Lebowski, as I said, one of my favorite films of all time. One of the films I've seen more than most other films in my life mm. it's up there with like jurassic park and wayne's world mm. and stuff like that as one of my all time and, and you're not a rewatcher of things i so am very is... very much mm. not a rewatcher yeah exactly so i've probably seen it at least half a dozen times mm. and you know you meet some people like alec former sequelizer has watched terminator 2 like 50 to 100 times or something mm. like that in one weekend <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> correct in one week he had one weekend binge where he watched nothing but t2 for like 48 hours because <laughs> alec is a fucking psychopath <laughs> accurate <laughs> i don't do that shit i try to consume as much new media as possible but lebowski is a thing i keep coming back to as weird and as esoteric and confusing as it can be it is just delicious comfort food type movie watching for me mm. for whatever reason and I had to watch Jesus Rolls for this fucking podcast. <laughs> That's pretty much what it boils down to. So I watched yeah. it like about three weeks ago, three and a half weeks ago, something like that. And then began writing my pitch by burning it to the fucking ground. <laughs> Spoiler oh, you alert. Didn't, you didn't try pitch. and salvage it. No, I didn't try and keep There's so the... much rich meat on those bones, Jack. To, to quote John Goodman, I didn't try and make the pederast movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tim, how about you? What your history with Lebowski and Jesus Rolls? Yeah. Uh... I saw Lebowski when I was, uh, I would have been about 18 or 19 on DVD or possibly VHS uh, around a friend's house. Um, and they were very much like, you you got to watch this fucking movie, man. And, and, and we're like, that, thi- that thing that I think, especially when you're kind of a teen or that, that young and, and it's so excited about watching a thing where they were kind of like, watch this bit now. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Throughout the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. Um and um, oh, this is the best bit coming up. This is the best. Yeah, bit. yeah. Oh no, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Fuck it, man. Let's go bowling. Let's just go bowling again. Um, and uh, um, and even even with that, even with kind of only half watching it or doing other things while while it was kind of on a bit, um, I was like, 
oh that was that was really good that was that was weird it kind of went nowhere and there were a lot of like diversions and i don't I'm, maybe i didn't fully understand it but yeah no i could i could tell that was good and then a few years later i went back and rewatched it and i was like no i did understand it it is just kind of it just drifts around yep. um mm-hmm. and yeah uh, i i don't know if it's one of the films i've rewatched the most but i've certainly i've probably watched it about as much many times as you mm-hmm. probably in the kind of half a dozen space of things rewatched it uh, in preparation for this and was just like oh after, especially after grown ups 2 it was such a <laughs> delicious palate cleanser exactly yeah. um, I, I rewatched it twice in preparation for this episode yeah like i said i rewatched jesus rolls and i watched them back to back like 3 weeks ago and then two days ago, I was like, I need to get in the zone for Lebowski. Fuck it. I'm going to watch Lebowski yeah. again. <laughs> and it's so great because it is the kind of movie where you can stick it on and you can watch it intently and you can pick up on everything. And there's so many clever, small details in it um, and things that you pick up that, it, that, that I, I actually do think it reward, rewards multiple watches. Yeah, definitely. The, because the Coens have talked about that. Like, yeah. They say... The the A plot is essentially not the A plot, and it's everything going yeah. on in the background that's actually the interesting stuff. And I think yeah. in general their movies tend to be like oh, that very because they're so, so yeah. they're very detail oriented and, yeah. and stuff like that. But you can also just kind of have it on being there, and occasionally you'll just be like, oh, I'll just I'll just kind of zone in for this bit, and I'll just watch him deal with Brant, or I'll just yeah. watch the dream sequence, or you know whatever. I'll watch the you know the the the. The mama the, in the bath. The mama in the bath. <laughs> um, and um, and it, it, it's such a great film. And then The Jesus Rolls, I was aware that it was sort of maybe happening. I can remember hearing stuff about it. Yeah. In, in that kind of, you know, uh, age of the internet, like web article kind of like, there's yeah. a, a sequel to The Big Lebowski happening. There are a lot of those fucking articles around, but I looked. <laughs> uh, but then had no interest in watching it particularly um, until uh, we decided to do it for this. And then about a week ago, I watched it and I was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, and that was that was that. Matt. Um, are you one of the six people that saw Jesus Rolls in the cinema? No, it wasn't cinema. I don't think. Thank God. It did not get it. As far as I'm aware, and this was like maybe a very, very limited UK it did, release. No, it pretty... did get limited release. Yeah. yeah, but it might have been like a London only kind of thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it did in the UK. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah I think I think it if it's it, it, very if it, limited in the US. Yeah, I think if it got a cinema release over here, I think it was also on a streaming service at the same time. Yeah, kind yeah. Of thing. yeah. So I and this is pre-pandemic, folks. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well. Yeah. It's, it's literally like February of 2020. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Pandemic's yeah. happening in China, but not in... Yes. Yeah. It, <laughs> it has in not Europe made it America. to the Western world yet. No, no. So basically, um, late 90s, I discovered the Coens. They were unknown until I found them. Ah, you were the one. Yeah. It was... It was um, I may have mentioned this before, but Fargo was on TV. Big Lebowski I watched. I rented from a blockbuster on video. And... Um, uh, I think I'd seen Barton Fink as well. I think so. I think it's what you know. I said, like, "Oh, cool!" And think I, I, I believe the first um, Coen Brother film I would have seen in the cinema would have been "My oh, Brother Where Art Thou" a couple of years later. But Lebowski, Fucking love that movie. Oh yeah, I, know, I adore it. I adore it. Lebowski was not necessarily saying I thought, "Oh, I'll, I'll seek that out." I think someone said, "You should watch this." It kind of feels like our friend group. 
I thought, eh, it doesn't. I don't think it does either. <laughs> well, we've established that you're the Maud. We have. Yes. Spoilers for the quiz. Well, we got two dudes and a Maud right here. Yeah. Back then, when I just moved to Norwich, people thought I was a Donny, though. Can't picture it. But I, I had curtains. Yeah, no, you are say, not you, a Donny. You, 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 you had the we, we, I mean, we were predicting that you would be a Walter, so. Yeah. No. The pent up, <laughs> the pent up rage and aggression. People thought, oh yeah, 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 he's a small skinny guy with like, you know, curtains. You're, you're Irish Catholic, yeah, not you're, Polish you're, Catholic. Yeah, it's like no, but um, no, they changed. Point is, you didn't, and you married a Jewish woman, ish, uh, ish, kind of, ish, it, ish, sort of, <laughs> and you have a weird little dog, <laughs> called, and you're carrying around that Uzi. <laughs> Anyway, um, so I, I very much adored it at the start. I think uh, very few people who watch Big Lebowski don't walk away with something from it. Whether you enjoy it or, or, or love it or whatever it happens to be, you can go, that was funny in this moment. I really like the performance. I really like this, this ridiculous zeitgeist that it is. It is this really strange character study. It's, it's rewarding to many different people in many different ways. And I seem to hoover all of that up. And subsequently, you know, rewatched it for all the details and so on and so forth. And loved it. Um, I was aware that John Turturro wanted to do a spin-off slash sequel regarding his character who has two scenes in the movie, yep. but two iconic, hilarious scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus Quintana and... Quintana. Quintana, not Quintana. Quintana. Yeah. My apologies. Quintana, yeah. That's how much I can pay attention. That character <laughs> was in it for a while. Point is, it was always like a kind of a joke that that's never going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and the Coens actively fought it. So the I've Coens always... famously never do sequels. No. Absolutely refuse to do sequels. Absolutely. And that's why, for example, when it's been announced, I'm like, yeah, we'll see. Mm -hmm. So I've always been I like, had the yeah, exact we'll see. same reaction. And when the trailer dropped, I said, oh, is this like the fucking Crocodile Dundee thing when it turns out to be for the Tourism Board of Australia? It's just a, a halftime show. It's a, it's a trailer for something else. It's not actually a film. Oh, they're doing a, a, a Daria film with Aubrey Plaza. Oh, no, it's just a college human Because they did a dude. Jeff Bridges came back as the dude for a halftime show. That's exactly yes. it. Yes. Yeah. For a beer, Miller or... Like a year or two fuckers. before. Exactly, this. yeah. Yeah. It was like, oh, they're doing a Lebowski sequel. Oh my God, it's been rumoured for so long. Holy yeah. shit. He put the jumper back on. And even so much as like, Jeff Bridges did it when... John Goodman. Um, John Goodman yes. had his Walk of Fame, Hollywood Walk of Fame, the That's star right. and all That's that right. kind of stuff. He passes him a bag and then gets the jumper out. And John Goodman is like... Oh my god, oh my god, he's being the dude. It's brilliant. And that's the thing, because I think everyone who, well, I, I presume at least everyone who I've heard who's talked about it, people have such fond memories of making that movie. Yep. It's such a positive for people who watch it. There's Dude Con, where people go dressed it, as There's dudes. a fucking religion, dude. There is, the that's, that's very true, yeah. That's Dudism, true. and Jeff Bridges has talked about this, because he's a, some unsurprisingly, Jeff Bridges is basically the dude, give or take. Yeah, didn't he read the script and was like, did, did you guys hang out with me in high school? Yes, pretty much, <laughs> yeah. And he kind of practices, like, Buddhism and stuff in real life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he met some, like, Zen master on a flight once. And the guy just leant over and went, you know, the dude is considered a master of Zen in many circles. And he was like, oh, really? He's like, <laughs> yeah, man. The dude abides, man. That's, yeah. that's some real shit right there. And far he's like, out, man. Yeah, that's, I, that's I far out, man. Yeah. There's, so there's I, whole cults and cult, oh, yeah. pop cultures yeah, yeah, yeah. and subcultures and religions built yeah. around it. Like. For a random neo-noir film from the late 90s, the mm. cultural footprint and the impact has been huge. The Jesus Rolls. Um, so <laughs> the Jesus Rolls, I 
watched on a streaming service. I think I have to rent it on Amazon. So I was like, I have to see what this is. And it was during the pandemic. Fucking hated it. Got very angry. Didn't review it. Um, Ow, you hated it so much you didn't review it. Well, it's like, there's no point. It's like, it's, it's already been kind of released at this point. No one's going to see it. No one's going to watch this thing. Mm. I can't really add much of a discourse, yep. as I'm going to do now. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, it's not even, it's not even that it's a poor following up to such a great movie. It's that nobody was asking for this. Except uh, uh, uh. John Turturro. John Turturro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nobody except the man who was trying to scrounge up money. Yeah. Because that was the only thing he seemed to speak about in all these interviews. And who wrote and directed the Jesus roles? John Turturro. Yep. It's like, you were in fucking Transformers, man. You, you can't be that much hurt. You got pissed on by a giant robot. Oh, oh. There's, the line, no, there's always the line you need to throw in from the producers. Uh, which is, how much money do we put in the show? You never put your own money in the show. As, as the two rules of producing. Number one, that. What's the second rule of producing? Never put your own <laughs> money in the show! No, don't. You'll sink it. And and uh, was it the four point five million the the budget for the Jesus rolls? That sounds about right. Yeah. Yep. The box office sixty one thousand dollars. Yeah. Yep. Correct. Him yeah. And to briefly touch on production stuff before we get into the synopses and things like that, the reason the Jesus rolls is so disjointed and weird is because the budget was changing as they were making the film. Yeah. Mm. As I said, Tatura wrote it and directed it. And basically just called in a bunch of favours. It's such a passion project. I find it so fascinating and, that and it's such a passion project for him. The weird thing is, and you can tell that it's like calling in a lot of favours, because the cast is stacked. Insane. Oh, it's impressive. It's incredible. And they cast, got yeah. nothing to do. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And there's, They each there's... have like five minutes of screen time. Like, we've got Christopher Walken for a day. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Fuck, I don't know. What do we do? Yeah. Sitting in this chair and making the Christopher Walken shit. Yep, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, and it and and there's the it, it's so like it feels so amateurish, you know. It feels yeah, it just feels it feels like student filmy kind of thing, you know. It feel in that very way of like oh, what are we gonna do? Oh, we'll make a kind of crime story, but it'll be kind of like you know real episodic and and kind of philosophical, and we'll also throw in some sex, you know. And it'll be about, you know, oh, this guy, he's like a criminal, but he like he's impotent, you know, or yeah. like, you know, oh, he's got this stuff going on. And and it, it just feels so half-baked um, yeah. in a way that as rambling and as, you know, um, episodic as the Big Lebowski is, every one of those scenes has been so polished to perfection. And every performance in it has a has a purpose and has a is contributing to something whereas in the jesus roles it just feels like they're just wheeling people out in a hope that you won't notice that there's no film here very much so pretty much um and it's 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 obviously a character that Torres enjoyed playing. I, I, I feel like I could be very he, wrong with this. Wasn't it like a, originally he did him on stage? It, well, no, he put, he developed a lot of extra stuff because he originally thought it was going to be a bigger role when yes. he was offered it by the Coens. Yeah. And they were like, no, 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 you've only got like two scenes. And he was like, well, can I make them awesome? And they were like, sure, what are you thinking? And he was like, oh, I'm going to 
dance and I'm going to lick the bowling ball and I'm going to do all this kind of and stuff. And wear a hairnet. And wear and a hair, yeah. the coke nail and yeah, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And so he brought all of this stuff to the character. And and the Coens were like, yeah, we love it. it. it yeah. You know. Um, Apparently the whole making of the film was pretty much everybody like bringing their own stuff to the characters. It was a very like positively creative process mm, of like which is such an eclectic mix jeff bridges is just wearing his own clothes yes, half the time yeah, yeah because of course he is yeah and john goodman did a bunch of things and like added a bunch of stuff to walter and all this kind of stuff and yeah more so than anyone else john Turturro added to jesus mm. and it was this it- weird kind of like he almost felt you're totally right to him like he went in with it being like oh it's a huge role mm. it's gonna be a big thing blah 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 mm. He's in there for two scenes, and as we've said, they're great scenes. It's mm. a brilliant performance for that short amount of time. Quotable, memorable, they, iconic, mm. brilliant. Fucking and never it never stays its welcome very quickly. And it kind <laughs> of, in a way, it makes a sad kind of sense because he'd done other stuff with the Coens and mm. he'd done, you know, Barton Fink and stuff yep. like that, yep. where he'd been yeah, yeah. the main character, you know, and so essentially it was a downgrade for him. And so he clearly still wants to feel like he is giving something to the film yeah, yeah. At, or or... You know, whether it's, oh, I still want to contribute to this project or a more ego driven, you know, oh, I still want to be make an impression, you know, when people yes. see this, you know, who, who can say. But and he clearly feels a lot of ownership over this character, which is kind of a weird choice because the character is a total scumbag. The fucking this, pederast. Yeah. This is the interesting problem because the character he plays in The Big Lebowski mm. is flamboyant and ridiculous and memorable. And a registered sex offender. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Eight-year-olds, dude. Yeah. Eight-year-olds, um, dude. Eight-year-olds. that was always like the kind of... Uh, that's part of the joke. It's part of the mm. whole, like, who's this fucking ridiculous character? Yeah. Now, when you're coming to, oh, I want to r- bring the character back, and it put it a sequelizer mindset. Mm. So we, we were pitched, like, a spin-off version of spe- sequ- mm. sequelizers, um, and we uh, had to do a thing where it's like, right, you have to do a spin-off from Big Lebowski. It's like, mm. ah... Jesus Katana could be a good one, I guess. Maybe, maybe. No, I mean that's the thing. Like, and it, not to jump ahead to, yeah, to Jack's yeah. fix, but like, it's such a self-contained unit mm. that it doesn't. There's no natural point for it to go anywhere. No, because and you've also been telling a story because, about paedophilia, which yeah. means a very specific tone, yeah. even yeah. jest. It's like, mm. yeah, it's it's a very hard run to go. So whatever it was going to be, it would have to be fucking. A class, and it would have to be like it's twenty years later. This better be good. Yeah. Um. And the Jesus rolls fails on every level, I and mean, you can't even hate watch it. It's if, it's it's at, so dull. Yeah, and you touched on the amateurishness there, Tim. Like it feels like a fan film. Yeah. It's so weird, just with a insane cast of actual good actors. And it it you know, and it kind of makes sense because Cohen's wanted nothing to do with it and all all that kind of thing. It doesn't feel like a sequel to the big lebowski um mm. even even to the jesus character because like there's there's very little through line from uh, and again it's tricky because he's only in two scenes he's uh, you know he's barely you know he's a collection of kind of oddities that make up a character yeah he hasn't got any kind of there's no emotional arc there's no real emotional depth of any kind to the character yeah um and so, like, p- trying to pick up on the story of him, he doesn't have a story. He's there to show up and be weird, and you go, oh, yeah, what a, what a weirdo. The, the Jack Sparrow problem, whereby mm. there could be some complexity <laughs> there, 
but you don't put the court jester and the comic relief center focus. Yeah. Because then it becomes a different film. You don't make a Shrek movie a donkey movie. Yeah. Because, yes, of course you can. Of course there's yeah. enough characters. It's not even it's not that. It's, it's you, don't, you don't make a Pinocchio movie from spinning off from from Shrek. You make a Puss in Boots movie. That's fine. Yeah. They want, those ones seem to be okay. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the point. You're absolutely right. It's, it's such a minor character. It's divorced from everything else in the world. It, it doesn't even feel like it's going to be set in the same town. It doesn't seem, doesn't seem necessary. It's not even on the same coast. Nope. <laughs> He's not. He's not even in California anymore. It's not in the same century. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's so many things. It's like divorce. And to be fair, to be fair, we've pitched our own versions of things where that can work, uh, like a, a sequel decades later, or mm. it's across the other side of the world, or oh, this version's you know you know you do all these things and think actually you know what, but the the world and the storytelling and the setting lends itself to that. Mm. The Big Lebowski does not. And and. If you're going to do a sequel to The Big Lebowski, I feel like the main thing that you've got to get right is the tone. Absolutely. And this this doesn't match the tone at all. This doesn't feel in any, like, obviously calling The Big Lebowski a noir is kind of a stretch, but it's it's structured like a noir. A lot know? of misdirection, a lot of things go nowhere, yeah. a lot of dead ends, because that's what noir is about. Yeah. And down um, in your luck. As, of, as much yeah. as the aesthetics may be completely different. Um Whereas the Jesus Rolls doesn't have that. No. I mean, it barely has a plot. And that's the other thing we need to bring on to very quickly. 1974's Going Places. What's that you say? You haven't <laughs> seen it. It's Gerard Depardieu. It's a French film. It's a French sort of satirical sex comedy. Um, it, <laughs> The opening scene it is, is rape. So it, um, take that what we will. It's the 70s. It's a different time. But point is, in the same way, like Clockwork Orange kind of way, it's, it's, mm. these, this, it's this sort of weird road trip movie. And for some bizarre reason, Totoro either got the rights to it for nothing or just wanted to go along with something that was inspired mm. by that in the loose remake well, it's, kind of mindset. It's, it's in the same way that The Big Lebowski is kind of The Big Sleep. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hence the name, but, yes. But yeah. he didn't pick a noir film. He no. picked a weird French 70s sex comedy. Exactly. And there's... I mean, it lifts direct scenes like the washing of each other's hair and mm. to go to bed and stuff like that. It's it's very frustrating because it's 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 almost like you said, yeah, the pederast thing. We'll follow that down. And I think how so? We'll make it a sex comedy. You cannot mm. Mm. listen to me very carefully. You cannot make a sex comedy about a pedophile unless it's so shock value early you, James you, Gunn you sort need, of shit. You need to you you, you, either, do need, it, but... you either need to be out to shock or you need to be a satirist at the very top of your game to be able to do something like that <laughs> very much so. in the kind of brass eye mold oh, yeah, of sort uh, of absolutely things. absolutely or you just commit the sequel cardinal sin and just retcon it and ignore it and just be like yeah it was a misunderstanding everything's fine don't worry about it this character's not peter first fucking scene of this movie yeah yeah we now we know it's really bad uh because in in the big lebowski it's like Jesus. That's right, man. No one fucks with the Jesus. Um, him calling himself Jesus rather than Jesus, but whatever. Anyway, point is that... Um, I, I get into a whole... A whole the the, the problem with this is... The I, will, I will want to dissect every single scene of The Big Lebowski as we go through mm. the oh, synopses. Yeah, yeah. And when it comes to Jesus' roles, I'm probably just going to sit here and be like, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, oh, yeah, awful. it is, yeah. As, like, as soon as Jesus shows up, there's a whole commentary on like, so does he speak Spanish? 
Because well, that's he should be Jesus and like, oh, it's all an act, and he's just speaking Spanish because that seems like a thing. And Jesus Quintana isn't even his real name, and all no, this kind no. of stuff. And like, I mean, that's the other elephant in the room. Is like, is John Turturro in brownface in this film? Right, which is a weird running theme yeah. for this season because John Turturro is Italian. Yeah. Yeah. not hispanic so it's like yeah it's one of those both really Latin languages but don't push your luck john like, yeah it's one of those very like you look at it and think we've got a lot of brown face this season. yeah <laughs> hate to say it but season 11 is the season of brown face boys <laughs> just let that <laughs> hang there just let I will that add hang an there. appropriate tumbleweed in there in yeah the yeah um but uh, it's frustrating because john goodman and Jeff Bridges' characters discuss it and say, eight-year-olds, dude, eight-year-olds, and say, mm. oh my God, what happened? And you see a cutaway to a scene of him knocking on someone's door, how he had to go door-to-door yeah, yeah. and tell someone he's a sex offender. Yeah. Mm. You think, fuck. And then the first scene of Jesus Rolls, it's like, fucking bullshit, man. It's like, why, what happened? I was in a toilet, a urinal, and a kid's looking at my dick, and I'm talking about it, and someone walks in like, oh my God, you're a pedophile. It's like, ugh. <sighs> Sure. You know what we want to hear from registered sex offenders is how they were misunderstood. Yeah. Fuck, they're such, such a horrible president. But yeah, should we get into the synopses? Because we need to. Yeah, let's, let's do it. The, the Big Lebowski one's going to be dense, so we need to get stuck in. Okay, so 1998's The Big Lebowski. We are introduced to Jeffrey the Dude Lebowski in a lengthy voiceover from a Texas accented stranger. <laughs> before arriving in Gulf War-era Los Angeles. It's a period piece. The period is about six years earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Sometime did... back in that there 1990s. Like, yeah. When does The Stranger exist? <laughs> it's out of time. It's just like Burn Off the God? where it's like, when's this? About five years ago. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes, uh, where the dude resides. He is attacked in his home by two enforcers for pornography kingpin Jackie Treehorn. They are actually looking for a different man named Jeffrey Lebowski, whose wife owes money to Treehorn. One of the goons urinates on the dude's rug before they realise they have the wrong home and leave. That rug really tied the room together. It really oh. tied the room together. I, I'm there with you, but we need to stop. We need to stop. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm holding myself because back. Because we will never get through this. <laughs> As, as Tim was describing it, I could see it one time. I wanted to say, such a great film. I can see these scenes. Like, Matt, shut the fuck up. Yeah, <laughs> I need to stop myself from quoting every single scene. <laughs> I apologize in advance, listeners. I am holding myself back as oh, much I as I possibly I can. Bear with us. The dude discusses the attack with his bowling partners, aggressive Vietnam veteran Walter Sobchak and meek Donnie Karabatsos. The dude visits the home of the Big Lebowski, a wealthy philanthropist hoping to get compensation for his rug. Lebowski refuses, but the dude tricks his assistant Brandt into letting him take another rug from the mansion. The uh, incredible Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes. Playing Brandt. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. Again, a character that's in like a handful of scenes. But yes. He's fucking brilliant. Yeah. And basically mm-hmm. translates everything the big Lebowski says, like, <laughs> we're very concerned, dude. Yes. <laughs> Just ends every sentence with dude. <laughs> Outside, he meets Lebowski's trophy wife, Bunny, and her German nihilist friend, Uli. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's so good. I'm pointing at Jack. Just you keep that in there. Yeah. Soon afterwards, Bunny is apparently kidnapped, and Lebowski hires the dude to act as delivery man for one million dollars in ransom money. That night, another group of thugs ambush the dude in his home and steal his new rug. After a discussion with the dude, Walter becomes convinced that Bunny has kidnapped herself and joins the dude for the ransom drop-off. I do hate that Walter is right. 
Walters. Walters. <laughs> well, he's a not, fucking asshole, he's not, man. He's, he's not right though. He's right that there's something hinky, but there's he's completely wrong in what his interpretation. Yeah, I, I'm yeah, gonna yeah. be really hypocritical now and say a quote from the film. I'm so sorry, Jack, <laughs> because it's it's right. He's like, "Am I wrong? Am I wrong? You're not wrong, Walter. You're, you're just, just an, an asshole. asshole." Because he's like, "Yeah, you're not wrong, but you're not right either." Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A yeah. very useful quote for modern life. Oh, absolutely. Correct. Yeah. Uh, so Walter plans to substitute the ransom for a decoy and keep the one million dollars. The kidnappers take Walter's decoy, but he is unable to catch them, and he and the dude return to the bowling alley, with the dude convinced they have now doomed Bunny. While they are bowling, the dude's car, containing the briefcase with the actual ransom, is stolen. And some Credence tapes. And some Credence tapes, yeah. Wouldn't, ha- wouldn't hold out much hope for them. No. <laughs> Lebowski <laughs> confronts the dude, who claims the drop-off went well, but Lebowski hands him an envelope containing a severed toe, supposedly Bunny's which furthers the dude's panic. With matching green nail green, polish. Green nail yeah. polish, which yeah. was seen earlier. Yep. yep. While reporting the theft of his car to the police, the dude is contacted by Maud Lebowski, Jeffrey's daughter, who admits to being the one who took his new rug and asks to meet. Maud reveals that Bunny is one of Treehorn's actresses and agrees that she staged her own abduction. She also reveals that the ransom money was illegally withdrawn from the family's charitable foundation and asks the dude to recover it. The dude's car, minus the briefcase, is recovered, and inside the dude finds a piece of homework signed Larry Sellers. And the Credence tapes. And the still cre- there. Yeah. Although a, a vagrant may have been using it as a bathroom. He <laughs> may have been sleeping there, or used it as a bathroom and moved yep. on. <laughs> Walter tracks down the teenage Larry, and he and the dude go to confront him, questioning him about the missing briefcase. When he is unresponsive, an enraged Walter smashes up the new spa- sports car parked outside, thinking Sellers bought it with the money. The best TV edit in the yes. history of TV edits. I've brought this up a couple of times on the show yeah, before. Yeah. The other ones being the Shaun of the Dead ones and yeah. the uh, monkey fighting snakes on this Monday to yeah. Friday plane in the enough is enough thing yeah. from snakes on a plane. The this is what happens, Larry, when you fuck a stranger in the ass turns into this is what happens, Larry, when you find a stranger in the Alps. Yep. It's fucking brilliant. <laughs> and, appar- and apparently... The main guys, so the Coens, mm. Bridges, Goodman, mm. all those guys, and Totoro, funnily enough, would just make up their own takes and right. just do a bunch of extra takes that featured the TV-friendly oh, versions amazing. of it and just be like, we're in the ADR booth, fuck it, let's just yeah. do a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he just said, uh, Stranger in the Alps! And I was like, <laughs> oh, that's so good! <laughs> Uh, the car's actual owner, a neighbour, appears and retaliates by bashing the dude's already damaged car. <laughs> With Donny inside. Yes. The dude is kidnapped and taken to see Jackie Treehorn, who demands to know where Bunny is and who has the money that he is owed. The dude explains the situation so far, then passes out after Treehorn spikes his white Russian. You should point out at this point that almost all of the film isn't, is, is doing the very noir thing, which is that like mm. loose noir thing you're talking about. For those who are not familiar with the genre, it's it was all dead ends. I went over here. I tried to do a thing. Yeah, I got no. I got back out there. Dealing, dealing with these various people, CD people. Yeah, going around finding little bits of more information. Yeah, every every wrong turn got me closer to the right one. Mm. Like, okay, but it, but you you do have those all those misdirections, all the miscommunications. Mm. It's very noir. But also when you describe, it, I think so. What happened so far? Um, I mean nothing. Yeah, you will also notice. I've completely skipped over the Jesus scene because it has no bearing to the plot of the film whatsoever. It does not. It does not. 
the B plot is kind of the bowling league, Tim. I can't believe it. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter at all. Uh, so Treehorn Spikes is white Russian. He has a vivid musical style dream featuring himself and Maud. And also Saddam Hussein. Yep. Saddam Hussein is there handing out bowling shoes. Yep. Germans with big pairs of scissors. Yep. <laughs> when he comes to, he is arrested and ejected from Malibu by the local police chief. For some reason. <laughs> As he makes his way home, the audience sees Bunny driving back into LA in her car with all her toes intact. Yep. Mm. Returning home, the dude finds Maud who has sex with him, hoping to become pregnant via a father that she won't have to interact with socially. Afterwards, she reveals that her, ma- uh, her father has little money of his own, with all the wealth coming from Maud's late mother. Realising something, the dude and Walter go to confront Lebowski and discover that Bunny has returned, having simply gone out of town without telling anyone. The dude explains that Bunny's nihilist friends have taken the opportunity to try and extort Lebowski, who had in turn used it as a way to embezzle money from the family foundation, blaming its disappearance on the blackmailers. The briefcase given to the dude had never actually contained money. It was a decoy for a fucking decoy. Lebowski refused, refuses to confirm the dude's theory, even when Walter, incorrectly convinced Lebowski is faking <laughs> his paralysis, lifts him out of his wheelchair. I've never been more sure of anything <laughs> in my life, dude. I've seen spinals, man. I've seen <laughs> this spinals. dude's faking. <laughs> so painful. At the bowling alley, the nihilists return and torch the dude's car, still demanding the ransom money. Oh, that's no fucking money, man. <laughs> Walter fights them off, but Donnie suffers a heart attack and dies. Walter and the dude scatter his ashes over the Pacific Ocean. And, the he goes, and it's it goes a fucking poorly. travesty. Yeah. yeah. Returning to the bowling alley, the dude once again encounters the stranger, the film's narrator, who sums up everything that has happened. It sounds like nothing. Nothing really happened. But it's so good. It's... And, and, and you can't see it. You didn't see anything listen, but you probably heard it. The screaming. Was <laughs> holding back. And from Jack and, and I'm, I'm, again, myself and Tim, all of us did quotes at one point because we would absolutely sit here reveling about this film for so long. I and could do a four-hour episode. Absolutely. Just, just and all about I could say Lebowski. is, go and watch The Big Lebowski. Yes. If you've seen it before, go watch it. Go watch it. The Big Lebowski. Yeah. yeah. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Please, please do. Now let's get to Jesus' roles. And because, we, again, anything we can say, we're just going to extol its virtues and say how great that movie is. Over and over and over and over again. The Jesus' roles is baffling. So let's kick that shit off. Yeah. 2020s. The Jesus Rolls. Several years after the events of The Big Lebowski, <laughs> Jesus Quintana is being released from prison in upstate New York. Oh, no, so he is a criminal. Okay, No great, longer cool. in Southern California. Uh-huh, okay. So far, so good. Yeah. As he discusses his parole with the warden, we learn that the indecent exposure mentioned in the first film was a case of misunderstanding, but he is nonetheless a career criminal, and one more conviction will lead to him being locked up permanently. <laughs> oh, so irritating. I hate how they like, oh, yeah, he's a criminal. I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. But he's a cool criminal who nicks cars, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, but he's, sure. he's not a pedophile. He's a cool criminal. Like, ah, and now we're going to show me. a whole film of him fucking people to show it. Yeah. Yes. But not children. Lots of weird, we'll get to them, but lots mm. of weird sex scenes in this movie. Fucking hell. Outside the prison, he is met by his friend Petey, uh, played by Bobby Carnavale. Yeah. Baby. At a nearby Again, ta- great cast. Mm. Yeah, yeah. At one. a nearby town, they spot an egotistical hairdresser 
played by John Hamm, and steal his classic muscle car. After having dinner with his mother, who is a sex worker, Uh the pair decide to return the car. They are confronted by Paul, the hairdresser, and his girlfriend Marie, who is an old friend of Quintana's, played by Audrey Tattoo, famous as Amelie. Yep. Just, just... (laughs) Paul... Get used to Marie. She's around... She's one of the few recurring characters yeah. in this She's fucking movie. The third. She is the yeah. third. Yeah, exactly. Paul pulls out a gun and PT attempts to flee but is shot in the groin. Quintana beats up Paul and he, PT and Marie once again steal the car. They locate a doctor who is pl- uh, who is able to extract the bullet from PT and we learn that he has managed to avoid any permanent damage to his balls. There's a lot of balls talk. Hilarious. It's kind of pointless. Yeah. Again, Lebowski's style pointless. Except more point. Yeah. <laughs> Seeking revenge on Paul, Petey convinces a friend at a local chop shop to damage the car's brakes and axle, then abandon it so that when it is returned to Paul, it will break and crash. The trio of Quintana, Petey and Marie then hang out, shopping and dining at a restaurant, but Petey and Quintana leave when they spot police nearby. There's a very odd scene where... Quintana has an encounter with a shop security guard. Yep. It's just awkward. Everything is just weird and awkward. Yeah. Touch your face. Oh, God. What? Uh, they flee using stolen bicycles, then a stolen car, and then board a train. That's, I'm not quoting anything. Just sighing. Yeah. Sighing over uh, and over again. But Marie is somehow able to track them down and reunite, and the trio ends up in a tourist town breaking into a holiday home. Quintana sort of attempts to seduce Petey, but is rebuffed. Ah, it's weird. Marie then tells the pair that Paul has sold the car, ruining Petey's attempts at revenge. Quintana and Petey both have sex with Marie, um, kind the, of the taking weirdest, turns. The weirdest threesome. In a weird, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that, these scenes are in going places. Yeah. But... <laughs> That's not a reason they should be here. Yeah. <laughs> Why is this film a remake of Going Places? It's so weird. What uh, a weird choice. Marie reveals that she does. Uh, she has had thousands of partners, but does not connect with any of them because she cannot orgasm. The trio decide to break into Paul's salon and steal money, but during the burglary, Marie becomes angry that the two men take her for granted, so they tie her up and leave her there. She just kind of, out of nowhere, yeah. starts getting angry with them. For seemingly and nothing. assholes to her. Yes. Gotta get rid of actors who can't be around for more than X amount of days. Correct. Yep. Yes. They have to write people out of scenes they can't mm-hmm. afford to have in those Absolutely. scenes. Absolutely. Because the budget was non-existent. And this is Totoro calling in mm. all the favours. Please be in my movie. This is a passion project. After a brief trip to a bowling alley. Ah! 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 No, it's no, gone already. No. no. Quintana and Petey meet a woman called Jean who has been recently released from prison. They uh, played by Susan Sarandon. Good old Susan Sarandon. Love Probably a bit of Susan Sarandon. some of the better acting. I agreed. Yes. More yeah. you, there's a moment there. It feels Jean's like... my favourite character in the movie. Yeah, yeah. It's a low fucking bar. Yeah. Uh, they provide her with money so she can buy new clothes and take her to a fancy restaurant. Afterwards, they have a threesome at a motel. But in... Multiple threesomes, ladies mm. and gentlemen. Yeah. But in the middle of the night, Jean goes into an adjoining room and commits suicide. The two men depart, reuniting with Marie. And when he goes through Jean's belongings, Quintana learns that she has a young son who is also in prison. 
possibly several months later. Yeah. It is very unclear. Yeah. It could yeah. be in the next day, could be next or day. it could be several months later. Mm-hmm. Quintana and Petey meet Gene's son, Jack, as he is released from prison. Hey, that's your name. Oh. Uh, <laughs> telling him that his mother is in Portugal with a new boyfriend and sent them to meet him. They go to a cabin in the woods where they now live in a polyamorous relationship with Marie and encourage Jack to also have sex with her. I, I'm all for the representation here of open sexual relationships mm. and polyamory and all that kind of stuff. This film is fucking garbage. Yes. And I hate yeah. that, like, that is so often not represented or misrepresented mm. in film and being like, oh, they're just wacky it's, swingers or whatever, like, as if that's even the same thing. Yeah, it's the kind of, like, anyone I know who is poly is like, we're so mi- misrepresented as like weirdos and creeps, yeah, and or just nymphomaniacs, yes, and, stuff like that. and yeah. the people in this film are weirdos and freaks, exactly, yeah, because it's so based you... on a fucking nineteen seventies interpretation, exactly, yeah. exactly. So while Quintana and Petey are fishing, Marie finally experiences an orgasm with Jack, who was a virgin and a very hesitant lover. Sounds like me, yeah. Uh, played of... played by um, Pete Davidson. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All of them. Not wearing shirts, rounded yeah, table. Yeah, just, just... But it's Jersey. Because that's how polyamory yeah. works, right? In a, in a cabin it's in the con- woods. It's con- how fucking Jersey works. Constant sexual tension. Yeah. Running out of money, Jack proposes a robbery he claims uh, can net them $100,000. Quintana and Petey agree to accompany him, and the target turns out to be one of the guards from Jack's prison. The robbery goes badly, and Quintana and Petey flee. And it's kind of implied that Jack has died in the process. Yeah, yeah. I guess. The next day, they realise they are wanted for attempted murder and suggest they part ways with Marie, but she refuses. They steal a smart car, which Quintana dislikes, and, stopping by a lake, decide to swap it for a muscle car that is also parked there. And the family's out on the lake and they're just like, hey, we're taking your car. We're doing a trade. While on the road, the car's brakes jam and they realise that it is Paul's car from earlier which has been given a new paint and body job. The car crashes, but the trio are unhurt and are left attempting to hitchhike on to their next stop. The car feels like kind of writing. Um, <laughs> right, yes, I, I agree with it you. It is the closest the film has to a plot. Yeah, but the idea that your, your, your own actions come back and visit it upon you like, ah, hubris, Little, something's there, maybe. Well, and there's a, there's a recurring thing of like, the dude is always in the wrong place at the wrong time. And like, oh, it seems like a coincidence. Like, no, actually, there's a reason this shit is happening. And the coincidence of it being like, oh, that's Paul's car again. Feels very Big Lebowski. Feels mm. very like, oh, they've just redone it. And then like, oh, it, like you also said. A bit inside Lewin Davis. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's very Coen Brothers. It's very like, mm, oh, yeah. re- revisiting, like mm. you said, past events coming back to haunt you and all this kind of stuff. Mm. But it just doesn't do anything with anything. No. no. And, and that's, feels... that's the end of the film, by the way. If you were yeah. waiting for more synopsis, that, no, 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 yeah, <laughs> that's the yeah. end of the film. It just kind of stops. Yeah. And it's, this, it's such a weird... Uh, I... In the same way that The Big Lebowski just kind of stops, yeah. but without any of the kind of... But you assume like the rest of the dude's life is pretty fucking boring, right? It's him just yeah. this was the hanging event. around. Yeah, this is the big event. Yeah. yeah. And it's such a weird idea to, to not you know, get into the second half and talk about the pitch and everything, but like... The answer is you don't fucking do a sequel to the 100%. Big Lebowski. 100%. Maybe more yeah. than any other film we've ever covered in the history of this show. 
You well, do not do a sequel to the big fucking Lebowski. It's because nobody... I know John Turturro. Apart no, from John Turturro. Nobody is seeking this out. So it's not like, oh, you don't do a sequel to... And as mm. we've done some insert name of great film here. It's like, why? Because it's really complicated. It's like, no. People know mm. not to do a big Lebowski. And it's the creators, the people involved, except for John Turturro. Mm. Nobody is trying to do this because nobody wants to. And no producers were clamoring Absolutely. for this. Because the Coens don't make the kind of films where people are like, oh, we've got to exploit that IP. If they're going to exploit it, they're going to do it through m- maybe like merchandise or like, oh, we're going to put on a festival whereas we only play Coen Brothers films. Like they're not, yeah. they're n- it's not a fucking Marvel film. It's not even a, you know, a, a, a like sci-fi film from the, the 80s that people are like, oh, we could remake that or do a sequel to it and maybe squeeze some Carpenter more. Carpenter. Yeah, 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 squeeze some more money out of it. It's just yeah. like, no, because people understand that the people who watch Coen Brothers movies want to see something new. They don't want to see re- reheated slop. Very much so. I mean, um, it, it's like, oh, we're going to do a, an anniversary concert for the songs uh, and musical numbers of um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Mm. And we're like, yes, yeah, yeah. let's fucking go. Yeah, love we're doing shit. a remaster of the soundtrack on vinyl. Oh, yes, love Brilliant. it. But nobody wants... No one wants to see Burn After Reading 2. No. Even though you could feasibly actually do a sequel to the paranoia of early 2000s Post nine eleven, yeah, Bush Washington. era, yeah. yeah, and update that to twenty sixteen era stuff. Like you can yeah. absolutely do a bird after reading, because it's still the mad nonsense of it all. But you'd be better off doing something just that tackled film. those themes, but just new film, new absolutely. characters. And the Coens are smart enough to know that. Yeah, and and you know, there's there's moments in the Jesus roles where it feels like it's reaching for some kind of themes or metaphors, and I think there is. It feels like there's the kernel, the tiny kernel mm. of something interesting about like people getting out of prison and feeling kind of alienated from their own bodies, kind of thing, and yeah. and using sex to kind of find a way back to connect with each other. But it, that's that's me reaching so far that's to find some kind of definitely very yeah. generous, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. because it's it. In the really, it doesn't. It is not that. It is just this remake of this French sex comedy. John with... Turturro wanted to play this character again and wanted to fuck Susan Sarandon. Yeah, <laughs> or more actually, do some sex scenes and thought it'd be really funny. Yeah, that's it. That's that's pretty much that is the start yeah. and end of our dissection. Yeah. yeah, that's it. And there is there is not. I mean, you know, as we said throughout the Big Lebowski, we were itching to quote it a dozen times. There is no clever dialogue in this film. It was there hard is... for me to get an opening quote for the fucking series. Yeah, yeah. There is, there is nothing... I'm trying to think of a line right now. It's also I the can't. fact that uh, Totoro's performance is so mumbly, it's kind of hard to tell what he's yes, actually saying yeah, with that yeah. fucking accent he's putting on. Yeah. And, and, and like we said, like even if The Big Lebowski doesn't really have a plot or the plot doesn't really go anywhere... The individual scenes are so good that they they are all so memorable. You Absolutely. can quickly you can go like his first meeting with Lebowski, and you think, oh, it's so good with Branch showing him all the stuff and but him kind of being a looking in the Time magazine. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I say the thing. same thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, you know, and the uh, you know, um, you know, what have you contributed? You can pick any scene in yeah. that film pretty yeah. much, and and you can and it will come into your brain, and you'll think, oh, there's so many great moments in that. This is just all mush. Yeah. 
and the the, the mm-hmm. scenes just kind of run into each other and like like i said they, you might have got in the synopsis of just like yeah these bits they're just kind of like oh they just kind of hang out and they go to a restaurant for a bit but then they run away and then they go now that now they're stealing bikes from farmers yeah. uh, but it doesn't really like there's nothing to it the, the the scenes feel either too short or too long or they just they have no point like there's a there's a whole bit where they're sitting in a train station watching a woman breastfeed and John Turturro's talking about how he lost his he's he's an African-American woman and he's talking about how he lost his virginity to a black woman it's just so fucking there's nothing to it it's oh it was and the fact that the Big Lebowski is just under two hours Mm. and feels like a goddamn treat the entire time yeah as ambling and meandering as a tumbleweed (laughs) that it is yeah it's memorable and brilliant And then you at the, at the end you go, oh, but you know what? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, the book is closed, and the, you know, and and you've got Sam Elliott saying, yeah, and the dude about the dude about birds. I like that. And and Jeff Bridges just walking backwards and just very slowly going, I'm here in the bowling alley. I'm happy. Yeah. Well, fuck it. It's like fuck oh, it, man. Let's go bowling. Absolutely. Whereas in Jesus Rolls, if you take off the credits, the film is just over an hour and ten. Yep. And it's like. You scraped the, to make this and, feature length, yeah, basically. You will get bored watching it. You yep. will, oh my God. Your attention will wander. Yep. Something we haven't really touched on and something I really want to hone in on because it's such a big gap for me between these two films is the cinematography. Oh, well, By yeah, the way, yeah. who shot the big Lebowski, ladies and gentlemen? It's Roger fucking Deacons. Yep. <laughs> Maybe the best living cinematographer <laughs> and in the world. It's the kind of cinematography in The Big Lebowski, but you look at it and go, I don't get why it's special. It's like, mm. I know you don't, but it was 1998. Exactly, mm. yeah. Like, something as simple as, and I watched it when I watched it a couple of days ago, and I was like, huh, how did they do that? The, it, when he's having the, the bad dream, and he gets in the bowling ball and the bowling ball rolls down and the camera is inside the hole yeah. of the bowling ball and I'm like well it's 1998 you couldn't fit a camera in a did they build a giant bowling ball to fit around a camera how did they do that it's like no it's a completely separate rig and they worked out like the rolling speed of a bowling ball and put a camera on a completely different thing and rolled it it's on a gimbal in and, it. Mm. And, and the hole that you're looking out of is the CGI around it, and it's basically just a mask over the top of that shot. Mm-hmm. I was like, of course it is. Yeah. That's fucking genius. Yeah, it's <laughs> pain. Yeah. There's like such easy things like that that you totally take for granted, mm. and then you see just the blandness of Could been Jesus sh- Rolls n- just does ex- absolutely nothing interesting with yeah. any shots, basically whatsoever. There's a couple of interesting ones. There are a handful of shots I'm like, that's mm. not bad. Because- I'm on a train, for example. I'm like, the, the cinematographer Jesus Rolls is Frederick Elms, exactly. who does all of Jim Jarmusch's stuff. So you can imagine this is weird, mm. esoteric, black comedy. I don't know how you describe mm. Jim Jarmusch. It's weird shit, basically. He's worked with David Lynch. He's worked with Jarmusch. Like, he's done a couple Singular of other Singular is what I would say. Sure. <laughs> but when you're comparing it to fucking Deacons working with the Coen brothers, who, for my money, mm. are two of the best living directors, uh, granted they're credited in different ways but let's not mm, get into that that's the thing and i for my money the best living cinematographer how do you live up to that how can you possibly mm. live up to that i don't know how i'm gonna do it <laughs> and the yeah. the other thing that we should say that another huge gulf 
that we mentioned. Uh, I can't remember when we were talking about this. If it was in the outtakes or wherever, no. <laughs> who knows? Tim. It's been a it's been a whole evening of just going. Oh, the Big Lebowski, so good. Yeah. Uh, the soundtrack. Soundtrack to brilliant. Big Lebowski, so good. Yeah. Borderline iconic, I would say. Oh, absolutely iconic. Um, it was it was pre-recording because we end up just singing at each other. Yes. Yeah. Um, and Kenny fucking Rogers singing man. at each other songs we don't necessarily. I mean, we all have it very, very, very. It's full of like taste. country songs and stuff. I yeah, shit about country. Mm. And yet we're all going. Mm. Yeah, and I couldn't even tell you if there are songs in in the Jesus roles. I'm sure there are. There They're are. that memorable. Yes. Who cares? There are. Who cares? Yeah, it just seems to take all the wrong messages and thoughts from the Big Lebowski. And like I said, it commits the cardinal sin of not only being a sequel to a film that doesn't need a sequel. That goes without saying. But the whole yeah, he's basically a different character. Re- yeah. Let's wreck on the whole pederast thing, which mm. is his, essentially his entire defining character. Mm. Uh-huh. He's a weird creep pervert dude. And they're like, well, no, he's a cool, like, Tarantino-style criminal character. Yeah. Like, he's not, though, is he? No. He's got the creepy coke nail and everything, and, like, he's cl- wearing a hairnet for some reason. Ugh, weird, creepy. Full blue, like, and purple tracksuits and stuff. Like, yeah. fucking weird. Yeah. The the I I always feel like the the the, the British equivalent of Jesus Quintana Uh-oh. is the in Shaun of the Dead when Ed is pointing out the uh the characters at the bar yes snake hips yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah all yeah. those kind of people <laughs> yeah yeah and it, it I think the thing that was so disappointing about watching the Jesus roles coming off of Grown Ups Two yeah. casts a big shadow is that doesn't adjust. When you have a film that is like a small indie, and this was a passion project for John Turturro, yeah. he really wanted to get it made. Yeah. yeah, you hope that it has something to say. I, it is no surprise to me that Grown Ups Two has nothing to say. I did not go into it expecting it to have anything to say. <laughs> I, I tried yeah. to make a joke like, but Tim it, and I couldn't think of anything. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's how, the origin of the burp snart. Oh, Tim, <laughs> um, I hate it. Yeah, I hate um, it. And so that is no surprise. But then to come to a film like this, which is made on such this a tiny scale and everyone is, you know, people are doing stuff as favours because yeah. they believe in getting it made and it has nothing to say. Yeah. Heartbreaking. Yeah. So I guess I better do a sequel to The Big Lebowski, right, guys? No. No pressure, right, guys? <laughs> no. I, I. Oh, God. I mean, here's the thing. And Uh-oh. we often say this. You can't do much worse. True. That's the thing to hold on to. Yeah. We'll talk about it in the second half, but yes. You'll come from a point of neutrality. You're not going to go, I want to make sure my character is very cool and amazing. Yeah. Not a pedophile. It's a film about a guy called Jack Chambers who goes to <laughs> California. You're like, what? Keeps licking bowling balls yeah. for some reason. It's not Jack Chambers' ward. It's before he got married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> anyway. Probably get around it. to fixing, right? Mm. This week's episode is sponsored by Audible. Audible has literally hundreds of thousands of audiobooks, podcasts, comedy specials, guided meditations, and a variety of audio delights. You could even listen to sequelizers on Audible, if you would like to. My God. I know, right? I have listened to sequelizers on Audible. It's a delightful treat. So if you're not already subscribed, you can go and listen to us on there. If you go to audibletrial.com slash sequel, you get a free month's trial of their service where you could listen to us and a free audiobook on us as well. And funnily enough, I'm going to recommend a book I have listened to that came out a few years ago called The Coen Brothers, 
This book really ties the films together. Ha! Nice. It's film critic Adam Naiman going through the entire filmography of both Joel and Ethan Cohen and basically discussing common themes, common like actors they've worked with, particular things. It includes interviews and dissections and analyses and a biography of them as well. It's a really interesting thing. I am a huge Coen Brothers fan, as I've already said on the episode, and this is a really, really good book to delve in deep and understand more of their process and their early years and all that kind of stuff and get an idea of common, like, thematic through lines through seemingly unrelated movies because their films are often pretty weird and, like we said, meandering and plotless and stuff like that. It may not seem like there's much going on, but there's often a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of density and interesting thematic stuff that is happening in those films. So yeah, highly recommend The Coen Brothers by Adam Naiman. You can get that on Audible. It's just about 10 hours long, so it's a pretty pretty decent, pretty hefty listen, but not a crazy 56-hour one and not a 20-minute pamphlet or whatever Matthew recommended like six months ago at this point. <laughs> yes, the Godzilla pamphlet. There you go, the Godzilla pamphlet. Yeah, exactly. God, that was like three seasons ago at this point. Christ. <laughs> no, uh, that was for the Two seasons Kaiju ago. episode. Hey, okay, okay, not too long ago. It was in season, yeah. Yeah. But yes, you can get that for free by going to audibletrial.com slash sequel. Like I said, you get a free audiobook. You can choose the Coen Brothers if you're suddenly enthused after listening to this episode. Or you can pick whatever audiobook you like. If you want to get bang for your buck, pick something much longer. I know the narrated version of Shogun is very, very good for example. Yeah. I'm listening to it as we speak right now. It's recording the podcast. Christ Jesus. <laughs> you get a month free trial of Audible's service as well, so you get access to a lot of exclusive membership stuff as well, including membership sales and discounts and some free bonus podcasts, exclusive podcasts and stuff like that as well. So, like I said, audibletrial.com slash sequel to go and check all of that out. So, gentlemen, we described it as a sequel to one of the best films. How do you guys feel about the Rotten Tomatoes of these two movies? We've barely even touched upon that, and I kind of forgot, and then we're like, oh yeah, Rotten Tomatoes is the thing. Here's my opinion. Oh. I think this should be historic. <laughs> <laughs> it should be a 98 going to a zero. Interesting. Well, I bet you it fucking ain't. Interesting. I bet you there's enough weird bullshit that means it's going to be a fucking 70 to a 30, and we're going to be mm. how? On both counts, how? Interestingly, I know that one of our VIPs, I believe Josh Miles, off the top of my head, they have said they will set the record for the highest drop from good film to bad sequel in the history of sequelizers. Which, considering that, Mulan is difficult. With, I said those were my exact words, and they said it mm. blows Mulan out of the water. And I don't... I don't know if it can. <laughs> it does, apparently. What's Mulan? 97? Something like that. This is a 98 to a 0. It's not blowing out of the water. That's one higher. Still, that's, <laughs> that's the hand goes to 11. <laughs> Hold on. Mulan is... Uh, Mulan is an 85... Oh, okay. It does blow oh, it out of water. Play, this is a play. 98. We have. I don't know what it is. For clarification, Mulan also 97. Yeah, Mulan's 95. great. But yeah, we have an upcoming 98 okay, okay, to okay, 0% okay. apparently. I don't know what it is. We'll get to that. I have been we'll teased. But before we get to that, yeah, exactly. 
first off, let's start with the big one. The big Jeffrey Lebowski himself. Mm. Tim, I'll come to you first. Uh, I'm only doing the two movies. I'm not going crazy. We're not going to do a whole Coen Brothers thing. You don't want to find out what going places. Oh, oh right, yeah. <laughs> I could do going places if you like. Might not be there. There was a, find the, find the big a sleep lep- on there. <laughs> no. The big sleep versus going places. Yeah. There. I think there'll be a small minority who will be like, uh, too, too wandering, didn't, didn't get it, what's it all about? Um, but I, I feel like this is going to be pretty universal acclaim. Yeah, it has to be. I'm going to say 96. 96 for the big Lebowski. I'm going to say there's enough contemporary dickheads saying, <laughs> oh, it's overrated. It's not, it's not Deacon's best. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I will allow you to change your answer if this influences you, Tim. This is from me. 109 reviews of The Big Lebowski. It does not influence okay, me. Matthew, <laughs> that does that influence it. your... No. Um, I'm going to go lower than Tim, but okay. not much. I'm saying 92. 92. Okay. On to The Jesus Rolls. Tim, background to you for your first choice. I'll give you a clue. Fewer reviews. It's, it's <laughs> fewer reviews. Forty-six reviews yeah. for, which is a not an insignificant amount, but you know what? Yeah. I'm going to go for a cosmic coincidence and say it also got forty-six percent. Oh, interesting. Christ, that's like forty percent too high. In my opinion. I, really I mean, yeah, I think that's too high, but <laughs> yeah, also, yeah, I see what you mean. Matthew Stockton, you you have a puzzling look on your face. You're really contemplating the possibilities of the universe. Egg. Um, who's giving this a three out of five? A certain percentage of people, whether that's zero percent or more, <laughs> who knows? That's the game. Yeah. Um, Almost like you described uh, the exact thing we're discussing. I'm gonna say eight-year-olds, dude. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Well, with those two out of the way, uh huh. Matthew. Yeah. You got them both correct. Not spot on, oh, but you have one. Hey. Uh, the Big Lebowski is an 83 no. from the critics. Oh, my God. And 83. An 83. 17% of you need to be ashamed. I and know you're out there and that you listen to this show. Thankfully, the audience score is 93. Good. Where, where it we, fucking see, should there be. There we go. The Jesus Rolls is a 20%. That's too high. That's yeah. way too high. And the audience score of nothing. It didn't get enough reviews. Damn fucking right. No one's watching so it. Go fu- get fucked. 20%. Get, can you get... Not, I don't know. Really I, I don't want to get too much into it because I don't know how long your pitch is, but do we have anyone explaining what's good about the Jesus roles? Oh, I can get into that if you like to, Matthew. I, I just just curious. Just, just a bit curious. Just how can Only because possibly... recently, after I wrote my review for this complete aside, but a uh, decision to leave um, the new Park Chanuk film, which I was very much looking forward to, I walked away and went, oh... Something missing there. That's a little unfortunate. My wife and I had the same sort of opinion. Um, fucking rave reviews. Everyone's saying it's like the best film he's done. Like, are you out of your fucking mind? It's stronger than a lot of other films, but it's a weak film for him specifically. Mm. So I then trawled through some of the reviews and they're like, um, yeah, okay, maybe. Uh, this, that, the other. Whatever, maybe. But just, just trying to understand the logic behind the number. Mm. And so I'm, I'm genuinely curious where this is going with this 20% shit. I'm not going to dive into actual reviews and stuff. I'll mm. just give us like the stuff. Coming in hot from Sean Burns from North Shore Movies. Hey, Sean, if you're listening, you fucking idiot. <laughs> I can't help but feel strange affection for this misbegotten picture. It's such a, screw- uh, such a screwy idea shoving a random Cohen character 
into one of your raunchy world cinema favourites, it's like remaking Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down with Mike Yanagita from Fargo. Yeah, that's why it's that, bad. Dick. Yeah, that deathly silence yeah. must be like, that's, the f- that's, that's that doesn't praise. mean it's good. He, he gave it three out of five. Uh, Rich Klein from Shadows on the Wall. Hi, Rich, if you're listening, you fucking idiot. <laughs> the, the film defies expectations at every point as it casually strolls to an amusing freeform odyssey about crime and friendship. It's all rather random and ridiculous, but it has a certain smiley charm. No, it doesn't. It no. absolutely does not. And Dan Scully from Cinema 76, I will not call you a fucking idiot, despite this being a three out of five review, because his review is, the tagline for the review is hilarious. We need more movies this brazenly weird. He's <laughs> giving it credit for just being fucking weird, basically. Mm. Do and we need more of these? No. Uh, I mean, I'd... <laughs> Next up, we have... Independent cinema's got enough of this stuff, and yeah. some of it's really good, some of it's shite. Joe Fryer from The Victoria Advocate that says, Those expecting a traditional sequel to the Coen Brothers film will be perplexed as Totoro comes up with the most creative way to resurrect Jesus. Put him in a 1974 sex romp comedy, of course. The approach is always more fun to watch than the actual strike. He gives it a 2.5 out of 4. Technically. Yeah. Yeah. Scraped by. Uh, the one from a top critic. This is from IndieWire. Okay. Yeah. They're usually uh, semi-reliable. David Ehrlich mm. from IndieWire. The Jesus Rolls only gets more seductive as it ambles towards oblivion and textures its story with a gentle sense of cosmic justice. And its genial vigor that's gradually. That's the car at the end. Yeah, 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 that's all that is. And its genial vigor gradually comes to excuse Tatura's abject lack of style. He gave it a B minus. A fucking B minus. No, no. If John Tatura's cargo went off the road and his character died because he was swerving to avoid an eight-year-old, <laughs> dude, <laughs> I, I can imagine that kind of level of cosmic justice. Uh, last, fuck? last but not least, this is the most egregious one in my opinion. Avi Offer from the NYC Movie Guru. Outrageously funny. A witty, exuberant, and wildly entertain- entertaining screwball comedy. It will leave you in stitches. I don't think I laughed once. That feels I may have so laughed, much. I may have laughed more at Grown Ups 2 because summertime. <laughs> yeah. That, that feels so is much that, like a, is I it, want to be quoted on the poster. Yeah. Is it the wrong? No, it's the right film. Fuck me. It's definitely the right film. I, I don't know what to do with them. I'll the move the fuck on. Yes. Um, uh, for yeah. reference, by the way, uh, The Big Sleep from 1978. Oh, the 78 one? The 78 one. Would you like, would you like the original? The 40s, yeah. We'll go, for the, go back to the 40s, see if that has any... 78 one with... Uh, is it Robert Mitchum? And, it um, is, yes. Oliver Reed? Yep. It's all right. It's uh, not bad. The 78 one has 50% from six reviews. Yeah. And 27% on the audience score. And the... 40s, uh, hold on, 40s one has, of course, 97%. There we go. And 91% from mm-hmm. the audience. Uh-huh. Uh, Going Places, back to 1974, has 75 from the Tomato from the critics and 86 from the audience score. Yeah, it's a... Mm, yeah. So, yeah. Interesting little mix there, but yeah. But none of them Bo- are Boils down trolls. to 83 down to 20 and 93 down to unranked because not enough people discussed it. <laughs> Goddamn. So, before we get into the pitch, this might have been, this is one of the hardest ones I've ever done, for yeah. sure. Because, I'm, and I cannot state this enough, just don't do a sequel to The Big Lebowski is the yeah. answer. Yeah. And there's, 
nothing really salvageable about the Jesus roles. Oh, I, I burn that to the ground. Yeah. Jesus is not in my fucking movie. Yeah. Sorry, John Turturro. Fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Christians. Sorry, Christians. Exactly. No Jesus. Shama Shabbos. Yeah. I, I don't roll on Shabbos. <laughs> Therefore, no Jesus in my movie. Um, but you're a Polish Catholic. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> I married Cynthia five years ago. <laughs> we divorced five years ago. But, you know. <laughs> anyway. Um, I was so struck with like a sense of there's no way I can live up to the Big Lebowski, obviously. But also, as you guys both mentioned earlier, like, I can't do worse than the Jesus roles. So I'm in this weird thing where it's like, I put so much pressure on myself to do something interesting, but I'm also aware the bar is so low from the actual sequel we got, I basically could shit in my hand and clap and it would be a better sequel <laughs> than this. So, uh, yeah, it was a weird, it's, like, it's, really, it's, yeah, I put it's... loads of pressure on myself. It was a very stressful thing. And, like, I pulled it in a million different directions, as I always do. In a similar way that I did for, like, The Thing and stuff like that, again, doing mm. a prequel, in that case, to one of my favourite films of all time, when I get this, like, oh, God, it's my favourite film of all time, I put all the pressure on myself and then have this existential crisis of, like, oh, God, I've written a big piece of shit, but this big piece of shit is much better than Jesus Rolls. So I am fascinated to see what you guys think. Mm. I am, like, not in love with this pitch, but I I did what I could with what I could come up with. I'm I'm worried it's a bit safe, essentially, from 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 my perspective. And yeah. I'm very interested to see what you guys think of it. That's not me being like, oh, woe is me and blah blah blah. But no, like, no, 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 no. no. Yeah. Let's be brutally honest. This is a weird me, fucking me doing situation. Ghost in the Shell because it's been there and I've absorbed so much of it in so many ways. Like it, it, it's it's ingrained in me to create something at some mm. point. Uh, Tim having to do uh, a grown ups two. In a way that is satisfying because it's the sequel to Tim's favorite film with the grown-ups. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, it's yeah. in his DNA. Um, <laughs> yeah, his birth sign. Don't know what I mean. Is that sorry? <laughs> that's for fifteen years. I've been thinking about how I want to sequelize <laughs> grown-ups. So, so for me, it's like oh for Ghost in the Shell, it's, it's a case of like do something that's original, but it feels fitting in the universe. For Tim, it was a sense of like I've got to do something that's going to be a grown-up sequel, but also something that's not going to make you fucking hate yourself. Yeah, I think both those. Uh, yeah. very invert challenge we face quite very frequently is nothing compared to I have to shoot my favorite <laughs> thing in the face. Yeah. yeah. It's like why? Because somebody made me do it. There's <laughs> there's another factor to this as well is that the Coens do not do sequels. You ain't very Coens. Yeah. Involved, yeah. I do not have the Coens as my directors. You can't, yeah. I had a chance. You, you literally can't. Yeah. As soon as soon as I was like Jill Cohen, yeah, you'd be like, hold on a minute. They held off on this, and basically John Turturro had to talk them into it for 20 fucking years to pinch it out of their cold, dead hands. Just grind them down. Pretty much, yeah. He just ground them down, and they are like, fine, John, fuck off, stop calling us. Make your fucking pederast movie, in the words of John Goodman. So, I've gone in a direction, and I'm very interested to see what you guys think. Okay, I'm listening. The title, let's start with the title. It's not... The Jesus Rolls, nothing like that. It is The Little Lebowski. <laughs> As in L-I apostrophe L. Yeah. Oh, okay. Little Lebowski. Okay. I'm releasing it in 2014. Interesting. To, to fit into various Six, schedules. 16 and years after 16 the 16 years after the original, mm -hmm, yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. My director is who I consider the other person who does interesting 
crime comedy stuff as good as the Coens in the modern era. Okay. Martin McDonough. Ooh. Very fucking interesting. So if you don't know Martin McDonough listeners, In Bruges mm. was my introduction to him back in 2008. Seven Psychopaths in 2012. Three Bubbles Outside of Ebbing, Missouri in 2017. And most recently, Banshees of Inisherin that came out like a couple of weeks ago at this point. Yeah. Yes. Fucking brilliant movies. I absolutely love McDonough. Mm. It's a different vibe. Mm. I am going for a slightly different tone and a slightly different vibe. I couldn't think of anyone else. No, no, no. <laughs> and that's like, who yeah. else does funny, weird, dark, crime comedy kind of stuff? Yeah. I've gone McDonough. I fucking love McDonough. Oh, yeah, whether, yeah, yeah, yeah. whether he's the right choice for this project, I'm sure we will discuss mm. that at the end. We'll get to that, yeah, yeah. But yeah. yeah. He's n- not someone I ever would have picked, but also I can completely see your logic yeah. in it. <laughs> I, I can too. I, I, I th- of all things, it, weird enough, Seven Psychopaths. So yes. you watch it and you think to yourself, yeah, it feels like kind of comedy that, kind of thing. That yeah. was the big, uh, not yeah. the big draw, but like, yeah, that it's was the kind of the yeah. touch point for me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And bear in mind, this would then be two years after Seven Psychopaths. Mm. So he's essentially fresh off of Seven Psychopaths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. He has a break because he goes and does a bunch of plays and stuff. Mm-hmm. He does. So I'm fitting this in between big feature films and his play seasons and mm-hmm. all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, no, I get it. So it fits into his schedule nicely. Um, returning cast, fairly obvious and fairly straightforward, but see how it goes. Jeff Bridges is back as the dude. John Goodman is back as Walter Subjack. Julianne Moore is back as Maud Lebowski. And Sam Elliott is still playing The Stranger. Oh, interesting. That's it. That's the returning cast. That makes sense. No nihilists. Donnie's dead. No ghost Donnie. No mm. ghost Donnie. That would be very funny. Maybe maybe ghost Donnie shows up. That would be your note at the end there, man. He's, he's too busy with grown-ups too. <laughs> oh, I, I, he I is! Should, I should say, because we... we mentioned this as soon as we stopped recording uh, for the Grown Ups 2 episode. I, in my brain, and this is just how I think while I'm writing, I don't think about what's coming up or anything at all. It did not twig in my brain that I had put Steve Buscemi in a bowling movie when I wrote my Grown Ups 2 pitch <laughs> the week before we were doing The Big Lebowski. Yeah. yeah. New cast. This is where it's going to get interesting. Mm. Playing the character of Dottie is Chloe Grace Moretz. You may know her in Hit Girl in Kick-Ass from 2010. She's Carrie in the Carrie remake in 2013. What's the point, Matthew? Oh, you know, I was just going to continue after you were done with your thing. Uh, And since we talked about Suspiria and that whole thing not so long ago, she is Patricia in the Suspiria remake that came out in 2018 as well. So, yeah. She was born in 97, wasn't she? Wasn't she just? There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Only reason I know that is because I remember... Um, her being hit girl when Kickass came out, mm. and, and then when um Haley Steinfeld was in True Grit, the Coen Brothers film with Jeff Bridges. Mm. Yep, she's also born, I think, ninety seven, ninety eight. Mm. So that's all the same time. I think the same age. My mother, oh, she's the same age as so and so, and mm. that's why I know it in my head. But mm. the character of Liv is Haley Steinfeld. Oh shit! Oh, <laughs> oh goddamn! Okay, 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 you've done that a couple of times to Holy me this crap. season. I think you've okay. set me up, and I've knocked them down God like damn. pins in okay, a bowling okay. alley. Hey. Uh, you may know her as Matty from, from True Grip <laughs> from twenty ten. Well, well, well. Um, she's Petra in Ender's Game. Uh, Emily in Pitch Perfect two. Uh, Edge of Seventeen. That's a couple of years after. Mm-hmm. So this is a couple of years before Edge of Seventeen. And a few years after True Grit, so it's in the middle there somewhere, mm-hmm. where she's kind angles. of becoming big, but not the huge star that she is now. Obviously, with like Hawkeye and Bumblebee mm. and all that kind of stuff, but Which she's on angels. the rise very much in the in the mid 2010s. 
Charlie's Angels. Charlie, fuck off with the Charlie's <laughs> Angels. <laughs> she cameos in it. Counts. Sure. It's a season, the season thing. Problem yeah. solved. Yeah. Uh, playing the character of Caleb is Asa Butterfield. Oh, okay. He's oh, yeah, yeah. Hugo in Hugo in 2011. Mm-hmm. Ender in Ender's Game in yeah, 2013. Yeah, there's some weird little Ender's Venn Game across everything. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yes. I didn't recently watch Ender's Game for the record, <laughs> but no one did. Certain, no, no one did. <laughs> He's Nathan in X and Y in 2014 as well, um, and most recently is known as Otis in Sex Education, the yes. Netflix show mm. that's been going for the last few years as well. Also born in the mid to late 90s. <laughs> yes, they're enough. all the same era. Mm. Yeah. Funnily enough. Um, next up, I have a character called Rob, played by Jesse Plemons. Ooh. Which, given the Fargo series, yeah. he slots in very nicely. Uh, yes. He's about to be in Fargo the year after this. Uh, coming up, he was obviously in Friday Night Lights. He played a character called Landry in that, from like the mid 2000s, like 2011. Um, he's in The Master with the mm-hmm. late Seymour Hoffman. He's obviously Todd in Breaking Bad the year before this. Uh, next year, after in 2015, after this film comes out, he's in Black Mass. He's again, Fargo goes into being Black Mirror a couple of years after this in the mm-hmm. USS Callister episode. Then he's in everything. He's in everything. Yeah. Jesse Plemons then blows up after Breaking Bad and becomes and he's a big deal. fucking great. And he's fucking brilliant. Straightly great. Mm. Brilliant character actor with a weird fucking face. I mean, he's brilliantly cast in The Master as, he as Seymour Hoffman's son. He, he looks yes. like he, yes. he looks more like Philip Seymour Hoffman's son than Philip Seymour Hoffman's son does. He does, yeah. yeah and true, his true. son looks a lot like Philip Seymour yeah. Hoffman. <laughs> and rounding out this cast, I have a character called Simon, played by Justice Smith. Oh, uh, so this is before he gets big. So this is um, mostly coming off of like TV stuff. He was most known for his like work on Nickelodeon and stuff like that. Yeah, he was yeah. in a show called The Thundermans throughout Nickelodeon for a couple of years. Um, he played a character with Angus in that. The year after this, in 2015, he's in Paper Towns, which is a fairly big John mm-hmm. Green novel-inspired rom com thing. Um, he is in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom in 2019, mm. that movie. Uh, most importantly, mm-hmm. he's Tim in Detective Pikachu as well, and is delightful in that movie. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm Coming off be like, TV stuff. Oh, the idea of the Coen brothers doing a film with teenagers is really weird. And I was like, Oh wait, it's not the camera. It's, not it's the Madonna. Yeah. The idea of Madonna doing a film with teenagers is really weird. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know there's teens in uh, three billboards, but you know. Yeah. Different. So that is my cast. We have Dottie, Caleb, Liv, Rob, and Simon, alongside the dude, Malta, Maud, and the Stranger. Mm-hmm. Some of those people will be in it more than others, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We'll get into it as we go through. Are we ready, gentlemen? As we'll ever be. <laughs> Ready as we'll ever be. Let's do it. We open with a montage, accompanied by the stranger's narration addressing the audience. Well, I didn't expect to be back here either, but like we all know, the world moves in mysterious ways. You may be wondering where the dude's been at, and sure, maybe we'll see him down the road, but right now, it's time to tell the story of the little Lebowski. Kind of like that. That's a good, solid opening. I think I, I have to address the elephant in the room. <laughs> we shouldn't be here, but <laughs> no. here we are. Yeah, and I think this whole like the, the, the fact that the film opens then in strange times mm. is it has that sort of general hokey man well, in a party uh, story kind of vibe. Im- importantly, it ends with and uh, the world's a better place knowing there's a little Lebowski on the way. Yeah. Yes. And I'm like yes. Ta-da, little. No, Lebowski. no, I like that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. While the stranger continues his narration, we see a brown-haired girl leaving for her first ever day of school. 
at a fancy-looking school, no less. She sits next to a blonde girl, and they smile at each other. We see their friendship grow over the next ten years or so, until we land on them as high school juniors. That is about 16 or 17 for non-US people. Mm -hmm. I had to look that up like four different times. (laughs) Because there's never a clear explanation of how this shit works. You're on a list now. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> how old are... Eight-year-olds, Eight-year-olds, dude. dude. <laughs> we're going to say that a lot. No, we're not. Hopefully not. No, I'm done. I'm done. As the teacher calls attendance, we learn their names are Liv and Dottie. Now, as high school juniors, Liv is more of a young, kind of pop star arty kind of kid, while Dottie is more of a rocker and has now dyed her blonde hair black. Despite their differences, they've remained best friends. After school, the pair meet up with Dottie's boyfriend, Caleb, and his friend, Simon. Dottie is clearly smitten with Caleb while Liv and Simon make regular third and fourth wheel jokes and tease the lovebirds. It's Liv's birthday, so the group go out for the evening and hit the streets of LA and grow... Oh, LA? Yeah. Amazing. It's like, that's how it should all have been. Mm. Yeah. Um, and grabbing some In-N-Out burger along the way. That In-N-Out does a good burger. It's true. Does a good burger, dude. Mm-hmm. In between mouthfuls, Simon asks how Liv and Dottie uh, ended up as friends, and they both shrug, saying that they always find things in common and have each other's backs no matter what. Dottie has an idea and says she knows how she can get them booze to celebrate and text someone. Outside, they hear an old van pull up, blasting metal at full volume. Rob, Dottie's 20-something metalhead stepbrother, Jesse Plemons looking similar to how he does in Black Mass. So he's got the the brown mullet-y kind of look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shouts to the group, and they cram into his car. It's like a typical metal teen fan mm. type thing, as you can imagine. Does it, yeah. does it have a unicorn or a wizard sprayed on the Absolutely, side? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Dottie explains that it's Liv's birthday, so they want some booze to celebrate. Rob is impressed and happy to oblige, passing around a joint to the teens. Simon and Liv are hesitant, but Caleb and Dottie encourage them to join in. They arrive at a convenience store, and the group piles out of the van, following Rob into the store. While Rob gathers supplies for the celebrations, the rest of the group are too stoned and wander aimlessly down the aisles, giggling to themselves. They're too stoned to notice two men enter the store, poorly hiding guns under their jackets. Just as Rob finishes buying the supplies, the armed men pull down balaclavas and hold the cashier at gunpoint. Rob panics and runs out of the store with his purchases, and a bullet shatters the store's front door behind him. The gunshot wakes the stoned teens from their stupor, and they hide behind some freezers while the robbery continues. As the armed robbers fill their bags with cash and valuables, someone shouts from outside the store and tells them to give up as they're outnumbered and outgunned. The camera pans to reveal the name of the gun store next door, Sobchak Security. Eh. Never really addressed that. He seems to own like a private security company or a gun yeah. store or yeah. something. He's able to like track down Larry from his yeah. name and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Walter's terrifying. With Walter and a few of his employees stood outside, all pointing guns in the store. I did wonder if it would be like the the shitty cops and stuff that now work for Walter and stuff like mm. that. Mm. Fun little cameos and stuff. Mm. Walter announces they don't know who they're dealing with and they should all give up now. Rob runs up to the subchat crew and tells them that there are kids in the store. Walter asserts himself, reassuring Rob that everything is under control now. The thieves cautiously head out into a Mexican standoff, with Walter and his allies as the teens flee into Rob's van. Walter gives the kids a thumbs up as the group drives away. They're shaken, but laughing about how exciting it all was. Rob says he knows a good spot for them to party uninterrupted and heads further out of the city. In a dusty old apartment, a mobile phone on a coffee table vibrates and rings. 
and rings. And carries on ringing. A silhouette fills the door, uh, doorway as the dude frantically wraps a towel around his head and grabs the phone, barely missing the call. Frustrated, he tries to make the phone work, but gives up and throws himself on the couch. The stranger's voice kicks in again and explains, Well, the dude had some ventures in the 1990s. Didn't much change his outlook on life. He still sees Walter for bowling meetups, and despite Maud's initial protests, has met the little Lebowski they made together some 16 years earlier. Only a handful of times, of course. He ain't winning far of the year or nothing. While the narration happens, we see the dude trying to make calls and text using his mobile phone while getting dressed. On top of an abandoned petrol station, Liv, Dottie, Caleb, Simon and Rob are partying and drinking, listening to music blasting out of Rob's van below. And one of them's going, Summertime! <laughs> <laughs> They're in the middle of nowhere out in the California desert and with a river slash aqueduct running next to the old building. I don't know how to describe those they, they have like, because it's all desert there, basically. Mm. It's all mm. artificial little mini yeah. canals and streams and stuff. Mm. One of those things, yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah. Is uh, Terminator driving along in... Um, exactly, with, with yes. The like John the Connor LA River a, type thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Liv and Dottie are getting drunk and stoned as Rob, arm in arm with Simon and Caleb, tries to teach his juniors some important life lessons. Basically, it'll be him giving them terrible sex advice and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. as you can imagine. Dottie jumps down to change the music, and as she climbs into the van, it stutters and loudly backfires. It sounds similar to a gunshot and scares them all. Rob, in particular, panics, and Simon slips from his grip, falling off the roof and plummeting into the river below. The group scramble to fish Simon out of the water as he's whisked further downstream. They try to throw their jackets at him, but he's knocked out when he collides with a section of metal pipe jutting out into the water. The group can only lock on in horror as Simon is swept away down a large water pipe, heading back towards the city. Rob starts panicking more, blaming himself for letting Simon go, while Caleb starts to blame Dottie for messing with the van and causing the noise in the first place. Liv tries to calm everyone down and says they can track Simon using his phone. They have a shared GPS app they use to sneak out and meet up in locations without their parents knowing. She brings up the app, climbs back into Rob's van, but it doesn't start. Whether it was what Dottie did earlier, or Rob's terrible driving, the van isn't going anywhere. But Liv says she knows someone who may be able to give them a lift. The group begin walking back towards LA, and Dottie looks up from her GPS tracking app. A dilapidated car pulls up to them. The window rolls down, the dude shouts, Olivia! Didn't fucking who that was, but we're having too tired. <laughs> voice is fucked. Uh, to his daughter. He half steps out of the car as Liv rushes up to him, hugs him, and begins to describe everything that has happened in the last 30 minutes. Rob, Dottie, and Caleb look confused, clearly having never met Liv's father before. The dude tries to slow Liv down, but the kids insist they need to go now. Cut to a split screen of the GPS tracker, the dude's car, and a semi-conscious Simon being dragged through the water system. As they approach the city, Rob is full of questions for the dude. I was a Metallica roadie for a while, man. That was a terrible dude impression. (laughs) I can't... (laughs) You know me. We can all do strangers. None of us could do the dude. (laughs) But Liv interrupts as Simon's signal has stopped. Dottie and Caleb confirm that Simon's signal is just around a corner and that it's just in time as the pipe connects with the sewage system in a few more blocks. The group get out of the car and head to the nearby storm drain, calling out Simon's name. They decide who's going to climb down into the drain, but the dude refuses because he fucking hates clowns, man. Hello, Georgie. (laughs) 
Caleb gets frustrated with the bickering and squeezes his way down into the drain. As Caleb calls out for Simon, he stumbles and falls over, getting himself soaked in the process. The group above ground calls out that the signal is back and Simon's on the move again. Rob helps Caleb out of the drain and back into the car, with the dude complaining about Caleb ruining his leather seats. They continue their chase down the LA streets, knowing that Simon is now in the sewage system. Liv tells the dude to promise not to tell her mum about any of this. Lebowski snaps back into reality after spacing out for a second and confirms he hasn't spoken to more than a while. Dottie notices that Simon has slowed down now he's in the sewer system and is hopeful that he's now conscious and making his own way. They slowly cruise tracking Simon until he stops again. They open a manhole cover and discuss how none of them really want to go into the sewer. Without a word, Liv starts climbing down. The dude, suddenly feeling protective over Liv, takes his slippers off and begins climbing down. They call out for Simon, shining a crank-powered flashlight, because that seems like the kind of thing the dude would have in his car, <laughs> around as they search. Something catches the light, and the dude searches around in the sewage, only to find Simon's phone covered in shit. Dejected, the duo return to the surface and regroup. As the exhausted group think of what to do next, in the background of the shot, in the middle of the road, a manhole opens up. A soaked and dishevelled Simon slowly emerges. The dude finally turns and notices him with, that must be the guy, right? The group celebrates as Simon finally smiles and waves at the group. As he waves and slowly walks towards them, a car sideswipes him and runs him over and we cut to black. And now you're going to read out the entirety of the Meet Joe Black story. Yeah. Yep. It's all Meet Joe Black from here. We fade up to see Simon in a hospital bed, various broken bones, but alive and recovering. Now that her friend is safe, Liv realises the time and asks if she can get a lift home. In the car, the dude and Liv have a bonding moment over a mutual love of music. Dude offers to lend some cassettes and CDs to Liv so she can finally listen to some good music, and she accepts. Finally, Maud Lebowski opens her front door to see the dude covered in crap. She asks, Jeffrey? And as Liv steps out from behind her father, Maud exclaims, Jeffrey, what the fuck? The camera pulls back into the air as the stranger narrates and summarises the film so far and signs off to the audience. Hmm. Very different. Couldn't work out what to do with it. And I, <clears throat> I realise I've gone down the it's the next generation, it's the kids, again. But I couldn't think of anything else to do. I, I, I'll be I honest with you, I'm, I've been thinking this whole time as I've been reading. What would I have done? Kind of. Yeah. You, can't, you can't not think about it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I don't know, man. Mm. I really no, don't nothing's, know. I struggled so much with this. Like, do I just tell another day in the life of Jeffrey the dude Lebowski? Like, nothing happens to this dude. That's kind of the point. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I, I, I think I think that the, the impulse to kind of, yeah, follow up with the next generation, the way, given the way the, fil- the, the, the big Lebowski ends makes sense to me yeah that's, that's a i think point, yes. i think for, for of, of any if anything is the next natural step it's going okay what it. is what is that child like you know does does he have any impact on their life you know and and yeah kind of uh, what what is that like um yeah if those are your parents and that's fucked up how they met kind of story yeah, yeah. and i think kind of Attaching that to again a similar kind of shaggy dog structure mm. um, makes sense. Um, I think it could use a few more 
diversions before yeah. we get the the the, the kind of the uh, because once you get that urgency of Simon being in the sewer or the or, or the, the river or whatever you you know river into sewer yeah that kind of has to naturally pull them in a certain direction yeah mm-hmm. um and I think you you'd want a few more misadventures before then um uh, to, to both to match the tone of the first one a little bit more yeah definitely. and to get more just to get more of their characters across dig into them a little bit and just get mm. more opportunities for like you know some comic weirdness and, and stuff like that yeah definitely I, I was very conscious of it being like feeling a bit rushed but i was like i'm at like 1800 words at this point like i could ramble on for ages about yeah. like you said misadventures of the dude well, and friends well, it's like and when like i was that. Yeah. when i was synopsizing the you know the, the 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 big lebowski exactly there's a bunch i miss out because it has no impact on the plot but also but it's the stuff it's, you remember the it's most the stuff you yeah. remember the most and 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 it turns into a long synopsis because there is a lot of like and then they go over here and they do this thing and they meet this person yeah. and they yeah. be you know they yell about fucking a stranger in the ass to him but yeah. it doesn't really matter <laughs> yeah so yeah it's it's a tricky one to pitch in our format as well because yeah. Yeah. yeah i didn't know i totally agree with you i think it needs pulling in slightly different directions and, and a bit more meandering because mm. once you hit simon falls off the roof then mm. it, that is pretty much it for the rest of the film mm. i mm. imagine that as like i don't know the last half an hour or so yeah but there's plenty of other stuff going th- on in I, that first hour to kind of establish stuff i think what i would weirdly like to see is Jesus Quintana <laughs> <laughs> said not no one enough ever. threesomes? Uh, he, no, David. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. I think what I'd like is because obviously, like, Maud Lebowski is going to be an interesting mother. Yes. Um, and I think a some some more reflection of like that upbringing, but also I can very much see doing kind of mirroring scenes where you you get like here's the kids off having their misadventures their kind of wild night on the town or whatever you want to call it and then the dude just like by himself or like interacting with other like you know we'll bring back his his landlord who yeah. does the dance and stuff like oh, that god yeah. that um, fucking dance <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. um, and 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 or new characters and stuff like yeah. that but we'll also like you'll see moments where their behavior in the way that like pe- even though she's only met him a few times, the she's way still got that his DNA there's that DNA yeah, yeah, and yeah. that you know the similar reactions to things or similar just weird little like gestures that they make yeah to get that idea and then that way he's a little bit more of a presence in the film before you then bring them together and and show that yeah I think I like would, that would, a lot. yeah Matthew you've been stroking your beard for the last ten minutes. Yeah, um, story-wise, I agree with Tim. I think I think that sort of stuff absolutely uh, fleshes things out because it's it, no matter what you do with this film, people are going to be unhappy. Yeah, uh, yourself included. Yeah, because much. it's yeah. a thing you don't want to do. But I think what you've done here, as Tim said, I think you, you hit the various beats, uh, padding things out in a certain way, and going more meandering adventures absolutely sells it. Um, I've been racking my brains for directors mm. because i have a handful of names for you okay i'm interested because mark mcdonough i absolutely get where you're coming from i think that's a really interesting shout e- equally fucking john michael mcdonough um, yeah. his brother interesting shout as well except 2014 he's making calvary so yes. no yeah um 
fucking love cavalry. But Mark McDonough is one of the things where I could see... I get the logic of him doing Lebowski. This version, I feel like it just doesn't fit him as well. Yeah, my my worry, like you were saying mm. earlier, is like, Mark McDonough doing teens. Huh. Yeah. Well, he does it. There's, there's not really a, the crime aspect. Uh, aside from, obviously, there's the, there's the hold up and there's mm. the general kind of misadventures, but it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't have that kind of noir core. Mm. Um, yeah. 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 So I've got a random bunch of names here. Uh, see a fucking white dudes, I'm afraid, but yep. we'll see. There's going to be, the, I'm, I'm going to read them all out. Okay. And then maybe explain myself. <laughs> I, I, I have a couple in mind as well, okay. and I'm interested if we have any crossover. Maybe, maybe. George Clooney. Whoa, okay. He's a Cohen boy. Mm, he His is? films He's can be like damn amazing. Man, damn or, he is, damn right, yeah. His films can be like really good or, eh, yeah. What's Clooney directed? Good Night and Good Luck. Um... Mm-hmm. And other things, like I'm three other to, films. I think I'm about to find out I've probably not seen a Clooney-directed film. Well, Clooney's directed Shite. Um, Great. But he's also the, directed he's, some really good stuff. He's directed his uh, World War One uh, oh, no. American football film. Oh, oh that, that's two different <laughs> movies there. The Monuments Men and Leatherheads, oh. I think you're referring to. I think Leather, Leatherheads is World War One era, isn't it? Or World War Two? It's the early days of American football. Anyway, he did... Okay, so, so he did Confessions of a Dangerous Mind with uh, Sam Rockwell. It's a decent film. Right, yep. Uh, Weird good night, good film. I nearly had some yeah. Rockwell in this film. Good Night and Good Luck, fantastic film. Okay. Leatherheads, eh. eh. The Ides of March, pretty decent. Okay, yeah. I've seen thing. The Ides of March. Monuments Men, terrible. Suburbicon. Uh, Monuments Men is the same year, so we could write... That's <laughs> true, but I'm not wrong. Yeah. Suburbicon is... Um, uh, Sub- what a terrible fucking... It's a very word. Cohen-y kind of thing okay. with Matt Damon. It's not good, but there we go. And then you got Midnight Sky, which is a, a fairly contemporary sci-fi that wasn't very good either during the pandemic. Anyway, he's 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 a mixed bag, but he's also quite a diverse director. He's done Absolutely. like a lot of different things, and he gets them. Mm, yeah, and he also teens and that kind of comedy and that kind of vibe. I think yeah. that might work. Maybe. Okay. Shane Black have written down here. Oh, interesting. I'm not sure about that. Christmas in LA, baby. <laughs> <laughs> He's done it before. <laughs> Twice. Yeah. I mean, is... Um, I don't think you get the team vibe much. Yeah. What's, what's the uh, actress who plays the daughter in The Good Guy? No, The Nice Guys. Oh. I know who you mean. Who's Betty, Betty Brandt in the Spider-Man films. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, but I yeah, mean, I mean, he, he, write, he writes her well in, in, yeah. in that. So I feel like there's... there's Something yeah. there. That's not a bad shout. Uh, don't, George... say, don't say unstuffed. Just say there are whores here. <laughs> <laughs> George Armitage. George Armitage, no one knows. He, really for one thing and one thing only. Uh, George Armitage directed Gross Point Blank. Oh, that's why I know that name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, basically, some other stuff where it doesn't actually matter, arguably. Mm. But that's the one, like, yeah, that weird vibe. <laughs> and, and in that film, that, you that, get... That is a it. film that is very vibesy. Yeah. It is. And all the adults are basically regressing to teenagers. Yeah, kind of. So yeah. you just do that same thing again, but, you mm. know, boom. Here's a weird one for you. Uh-oh. Sam Raimi. I actually thought about Raimi. He crossed my mind. Because he's directed a Coen Brothers film. As yes. in, they, they've written a thing and he's directed it. Yes. Well, he did the, the uh, a section in um, Hudsucker Proxy That's as well. True. Yeah, exactly. So again, it's like, Really? The Spider-Man guy's like, well, he's not doing shit. I feel like he'd be a little bit too high energy. I feel also, I agree with you. And also, also on top of that, uh, that's why I wouldn't think of things like, um, 
Evan Goldberg and and uh, the sort of Seth Rogen-y kind oh, of. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, right, next one. Spike Jones. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. So Spike Jones, for those who don't know, I mean, I mean, he does a lot of acting and stuff like that as well, but in terms of his actual direction and stuff and things that might be, I guess, a bit appropriate. Um, Mal- he, Mal- being John Malkovich. Being John Malkovich, Malkovich adaptation moment. where the wild things are her. And you're like... Oh, hers the year before. That's yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. That kind of works. That kind of has a vibe to it. He very much loves the jackass crew and can fuck <laughs> about like idiots. Um, and then I have one last name on here, which is... Uh, Again, a kind of left field, weird, what am I thinking? I don't really know kind of thing. And that's Peter Solit. Peter Solit. Who has... Uh, Why did that name ring a bell? Hasn't really done much of anything, but he did um, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, did Michael Benning's joint. With uh, Julianne Moore, so you got that connection there. Okay. And he's doing... Or he did a Netflix film from this year called Metal Lords. Oh, yeah, that's why I know him. Yeah, yeah exactly. I talked about Metal Lords on the show. So I knew yeah. You, I was like, yeah. Yeah. So, again, these are names I think of myself. With the kind of film you've got going on, they can do weird Cohen-y stuff, but they also could possibly do teenager mm, stuff. Yeah. I think if you could have a... Because what you're yeah, stretching the, a different The director vibe. of Metal Lords is not a bad shout. Yeah. Because I think it's the whole, like, well, you know what? That could work. So that's that's what I'm thinking because I think I think this is the kind of movie because if you describe Lebowski as a, as a, the first one, sorry, the the only one, the only um, one, um, you then go okay, I'm going to do a big Lebowski movie. Here's the story. Okay, interesting. Here's Chuck the cast. that in the bin. Interesting. Okay, fine. Who's directing it? Martin Scorsese. Oh, okay. I can see this being a fucking toe. Shit. Okay, I get it. Someone gets you know has a heart attack outside a bot. The director dictates the focus of it. I feel this is one of those moments. So I think the story... I don't want to say this because I feel it's really dismissive of what you've done here. I think the story is almost irrelevant. Oh, that's the whole point of Lebowski. Exactly, yeah. yes. Yeah. So subsequently, it needs to have the vibe. Um, um, usually, I'd be very offended at that. <laughs> Not no, offended no, no. at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. Because I think what you've done is a really good quilt for them to actually just start working yeah. with. I didn't have any crossovers. Interesting. Boosh! Um, I've also come up with one more off the back of something you said. Wow. Love it. Which I'll start with. I'm excited. I love love this process. Because you mentioned Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Mm -hmm. um, And the director's name is not the name I associate with that. It's the screenwriter's name. Yes. Who has gone on to direct, which is uh, Lorraine Scafaria. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, She would have done one, directed once at this point Mm. um, with uh, Seeking a Friend for the uh, End End of the World, world, which I really like. Um, She goes on uh, did Hustlers in yeah. 2019. Yeah, um, which is great. Love. Great yeah. yeah. Um, she's very good. Um, and she's great with teens, I think, as well. Like, having having written Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, oh, yeah, yeah, like, I think she'd, she'd totally get it. The two bigger names, one of which I'm like, that could maybe work in the same way that, like, Spike Jones could maybe work. Uh, Steven Soderbergh. Okay. Interesting. I see it. It's a nineties yeah. crime mindset. Almost, I can see uh, it. But but also channeling kind of like a Magic Mike vibe, <laughs> or maybe <laughs> no. may, maybe more of a Magic Mike XXL. But that kind of like, which is better than the first one. Yeah, the record. Out of sight, Magic Mike crossover kind of like. Yeah. Like charm, but also, huh? I didn't expect this from this movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get you. Um, and then the one I think is probably the best fit. Okay. Which would be difficult in this year Uh-oh. because we, we he has shifted around a little bit. If we he need has to. he has a big project, but it's also one that is not as in 
he has a big film come out this year, but it's one that's not as intensive in the lead up in a weird way. That's why so, I didn't suggest the, the Russos, because they're doing <laughs> Winter Soldier. Yeah, uh, because Boyhood comes out in 2014. Oh, Get Richard Linklater. Linklater. Yes. Because if you want... God, what a weird... Teens vibe. I mean, yeah. Dazed and Confused is like my favourite film, and that's teens vibing yeah. and just nothing happening. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's not a bad shout, Tim. Mm. I think they all carry the film appropriately. You need that kind of. This isn't a Cohen film; it's a Linklater film, and you go, mm. "Yeah, I'm okay with that." Mm. Mm. I think there's a lot do, of solid I suggestions. I don't know which we settle well. with, but they work. Yeah, really interesting. And I, I, I really like your casting, by the way. Oh, okay. I, think, I agree. I, that, I agree. That really works. Just like Jesus rolls, right? Got great calm. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> fucking hell, man. I mean, okay, but let's 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 put this over. Let's cap this all off. Of all the poison chalices we've been handed, <laughs> I genuinely, genuinely feel this has been one of the worst. Like mm. I said, this is probably the most stressful writing. I mean, yeah. we say we've been handed. We chose. We chose to drink That's from true. this. Yeah. No one. No one forced us to make handed this one. Handed to us, <laughs> like because the guns are kimbo, nailed to our hands. Because <laughs> yes. we talked about like. You're doing Grown Ups 2. I did Paul Blart 2. Mm. Like, they're so bad, you can't really go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas for me, this is the opposite end of that. And I can compare it to my prequel to the thing that I did. Mm. Like, I know that film so fucking well. Mm. Like, moment for moment, scene for scene, almost shot for mm. shot at this point. And, and even with stuff like going back to like, the Matrix sequels God, that were done, yeah. and like a Dark Knight Rises and stuff like that, where yeah, those are big films where we've loved the the films that they're coming off of. Yeah, but also there's so many places you can go with them. Yeah. Whereas The Big Lebowski is just a perfect unit, and it's don't like do don't, anything, yeah. stop touching it, John Turturro, leave it alone. Yeah, like those eight year olds, dude. <laughs> I'd be very interested to think about what the soundtrack to this film would be like. I did actually think about that. I mean, I was, I almost tried to write it while writing like songs in mm. as I went and stuff, like that, which I've done before. And I think you guys have done in yes, yeah, before yes, as well, yes. like whether consciously or subconsciously. But yeah, I didn't, I couldn't settle on anything in particular. Mm. 2010's country. I th- I think it would just be a very diverse mix. It yeah. would be like contemporary stuff and going back to like that was exactly that's exactly what I struggled with because I was conscious of like, well, the Blabowski comes out in nineties, but it's mostly like sixties and seventies stuff mm. that's playing. I'd say nineties hip hop. would this would NWA stuff. This yeah. would also technically have to be a period piece, wouldn't it? Because it would. Lebowski comes out in 98, but it's set in, what, 92, 93? Um, start of World War, start of Gulf War 1. Uh, like 1990s, it, yeah. yeah. No one. So it would technically, rather than being set in 2014, it would be set in like 2008. Yeah. Financial crisis. Yeah. yeah. Which the Coen brothers would, could do a lot with. So I, I imagine if someone who's then yeah. in their shoes would do the same end, sort of thing. End of Bush era. Obama mm, optimism, change. yeah, 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 yeah. I think yeah. that would work well. Hmm. So yeah, listeners, please do let us know which of the variety of directors we picked, what you thought of my attempt at the Little Lebowski, and how to possibly do a Big Lebowski sequel. If you have any suggestions, please let me know because I'm pretty stumped even after writing nearly two thousand words about the fucking thing. So, yeah, you can hit us up on all the social media. We are Sequelizers on Twitter, Instagram, and for some reason still Facebook, if you're still using Facebook. Hell, 
Twitter might not exist by the time you're hearing this episode. Valid. Who knows? People have been fired and Elon Musk has assumed direct control and all kinds of mad shit. So who knows? Maybe we won't be saying we're Sigliders on Twitter in like two weeks time. Saw someone on there earlier saying that Stephen King is only relevant because he has a verification mark on there. Jesus. I saw Elon Musk negotiating monthly rates yes. of verification stuff with Stephen King. It's like, but what is this world we live in? But if you want to continue living in this world, go and join our Discord. It's a lovely little community of people. You can go to sequelizers.com, click on the Discord button. There's a little invite link there, and that will send you straight in. There's more than 200 of us now, including plenty of other podcasters we've crossed over with, such mm. as Harley from Fundamentals, M from Verbal Diorama, a couple of the guys from the Modern Escapism of Arno Gadget Stick, and Biggie are all in there as well. So... Not only is it fellow listeners, it's other fellow podcasters we have collaborated with and plan to collaborate with in the future as well. And the uh, Search with Candor podcast, your boss is in there. Yeah, Mark is in there somewhere for some reason. He's, I don't think he's ever posted apart from the welcome post. He's a lurker. He doesn't really use Discord in a social way. I think mm. it's just a gaming thing for him. But yeah, my, bo- my boss is in there somewhere for some reason. And I do, yeah, I host an SEO podcast called Search with Canda. Thanks for the segue there. You're Matt. welcome. <laughs> I don't know if it's an attempted segue, but I'll take yeah. it. I'll take it anyway. Uh, at time of recording, uh, we released a massive Halloween special episode that was spooky Google. Yeah. <laughs> Google's really scary, basically. I mean, that's true. But it was a big bumper episode for Search with Canda. It was a whole 96 minutes long. <laughs> Which is my God, man! That's the longest. Uh, that's the longest episode of that podcast in history. Cut to the scene from Wolf of Wall Street, where Matthew McConaughey is saying <laughs> to uh, Leonardo, "Those are chump numbers. You can get those numbers up, <laughs> pretty much." Yeah, I mean, it's longer than the Jesus Rolls. So yeah, yeah it's longer than, long, longer than Jesus Rolls, shorter than the Big Lebowski, and sometimes shorter than one half of a Sequelizers episode. So yeah, and basically, it was me running around the biggest SEO conference in the world recording a bunch of stuff with a lot of famous SEO people, if, it, if such a thing exists. And, yeah, recording SEO and that kind of thing, horror stories from a bunch of cool people. So I really poured my heart and soul into the edit of that episode, so I'd very much appreciate if you do go and check out that episode in particular. Mm. I made silly custom art for it. I did, like, a thriller-style, Vincent Price-style intro thing. It's a bunch of nonsense, but yeah, <laughs> please do go and check that if you're interested in digital marketing, SEO, all that kind of stuff. And if you want to, I don't know, have a go at me on social media for bushering the Big Lebowski in some form or another, I am JLW Chambers on basically everything. Matthew, how about you? What are you up to in the social media and podcasting world on the interwebs? You can search Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z, and all the various social medias to find me. Uh, you can go to theredrighthand.co.uk to read my reviews. You can go to cheeseman.com to see the things that I'm making. And you can search for Sumo Drop Pod on the Bird app, Twitter, uh, to see my sumo wrestling thing. It's November, or it's about to be. New Basho? New Basho. Hey! So, um, and last of the year. So there'll be a, uh, some sumo wrestling coverage. Tim, if I needed to get your toe (laughs) by 3pm, where could I message you asking you for your toe? Never, never post feet for free. 
Correct. Uh, Onlyfans.com <laughs> yeah. slash trivia underscore land. But, I respect you know, it. I respect sl- the hustle. Uh, you know, slide into my DMs and, and maybe I'll give you my PayPal link. Uh, and you can do all that on Twitter by going to trivia underscore lad. That is where I am uh, at the moment, mostly complaining about my lack of bubble wrap. So I prepare to move house. <laughs> Excellent. Well, folks, if you want to get more bubble wrap, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a possible segue there. I don't think there's anything. You want to pop along to? Oh, Matthew, look at you. Nope, it's a pun. Billy, Billy, big bollocks with your puns and your segues. Look at that. Fuck Who knew? Life. Well, next week's episode is definitely different from the Big Lebowski and Jesus <laughs> Rolls. <laughs> yeah, it is. We were discussing it before we started <laughs> yeah. recording earlier, and fucking hell, it's going to be a journey. Let's let's put it that way. Uh, and yeah, then we've basically got three more episodes of this season left. It's bizarre. We've got one VIP pick left. We've got our season finale, which will be accompanied by a movie commentary. Ooh. Yeah. And we've got, uh, yeah, big things planned for the interseason, basically. Big things planned for season 12, which looks like it's going to be requalizers people have spoken yeah we've had sequelizers we've had prequelizers by the looks of the vote from the people we're getting requelizers for season 12 so stay tuned for that and the last three episodes of this season which is full of shit but in a good way (laughs) (laughs) just just genre shit yeah that premium high quality shit that you love yeah courtesy of sequelizers (laughs) see you later folks Yeah, 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 my condition, my condition was in.